All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand and Front Row Referee. My name is Mike Freeland. So excited to uh, to be back talking to my longtime personal friend. His name is Christopher Butt. Butster, what's going on, brother? This is it, Mike. Uh, back from the holidays. Had a little bit of time off, a little bit of time off work. Did some traveling. Uh, did the, the Santa Claus ho-ho thing. Uh, went away for New Year's. Back to the grind now. How are you? How's the family? The family is good. We uh, we visited Santa twice. We went to, um, gosh, numerous Christmas parties, and uh, I'm tuckered out. With that being said, uh, I hope everybody who is listening had a really good holiday. Thank you so much again for the great downloads that we got in the month of December as well. We have a big major announcement we're going to be making coming up on Front Row Referee, so definitely make sure you stay tuned to the rest of the show to hear about our big news. You know, Tony Khan always says he's got a major announcement. And I feel like 99% of the time, it's not really a major announcement. Would you agree with that? 100%. It's kind of worn out now. When he says he just, meh, no big deal. Yeah, I'm just like, well, okay, if you say so, buddy. Um, so for our major announcement, should I get a goofy fur hat and sunglasses? We're going to talk about the scrum as well uh, before Front Row Referee starts. That in itself was something. There were so many things that have been going on in wrestling um the big big pay-per-view event that happened uh, after christmas was world's end uh big big matches that were on the card we're going to go ahead and we're going to go through the card we're going to talk about that as well we're also going to be talking about y2j chris jericho uh, evidently there had been a news story that had come out that seems like now it is not exactly a news story anymore we're going to get into that a little bit also some pieces are moving andrade il idolo uh, is done with AEW. Where is he going to go? Is he going back to WWE? We'll talk about that. Uh, Mercedes Monet is expected to go somewhere. Where is she going to go? Trinity is supposed to be going somewhere now. Where is she going to go? All that and so much more. But let's get to the major story right here. World's End was the big end-of-the-year pay-per-view for AEW. And man, I tell you what, you and I had gone back and forth about how we felt about the about the pay-per-view. I didn't really get a whole lot of thoughts, so what would you give it from what you've seen? What would you give it grade-wise, A, B, C, or D? I would be B, may, maybe B+, plus them, but I think that's stretching a bit. We'll go with a solid B. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It was, um, I love AEW and, and you love AEW. And, and it's one of those things where no matter what happens with Dynamite, Rampage, or Collision, they deliver on pay-per-views. Like, that's the thing that they do. They deliver. And I feel like when you've hit home runs every single pay-per-view, and then all of a sudden you get a double or maybe a triple, and you don't hit that home run again, everybody expects the bar to be set so high that sometimes it's not able to be reached. Um, so there's some things in the in the pay-per-view that we'll talk about that we liked, some things that we don't think necessarily went so well. Let's go ahead and let's start off here. Chris Statlander took on Willow Nightingale, and that was a, a pre-show match. I love Chris Statlander, love Willow Nightingale. I don't know if this match necessarily, they didn't seem to gel super well in this match, if that makes sense. What was your what was your thoughts on that one? No, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Their, their styles just didn't jive. Uh, both very talented, extremely talented wrestlers. Love watching both of them. I don't know what went wrong there, just the styles did not jive. But that happens fairly often, even with the best wrestlers. Sometimes styles just don't work. It was a bit of a sloppy match. Like some of the, some of the moves were not. I had higher hopes. Let's put it that way, especially for your kickoff. 
I guess the pre-show is not the main card, but when you have your, your kickoff, you expect to be amped up. And the match was high energy. It was just a bit messy at times. Some botches, their styles just didn't work. Or, or maybe it was just wasn't their night. That happens too. And I agree with you. I think it could have been a situation of styles just not lining up. It just wasn't their night. Well said on that one. I bet you could put these two women in the ring a hundred times, and I would say 90% of the time, things probably could work out better. Um, It's just, I don't know if it was a situation of this was such a big show that they were doing or maybe again it was just an off night and it's not their fault because trust me we all go to work and we don't always have our a games and for whatever reason it just didn't quite work out when to get your take on this i don't know if i ever brought this up on the show but willow nightingale gives me a vibe of another wrestler that we saw a version of a long time ago in WWE. Do you have any idea who that person may be? Think about Willow and her, the way she is packaged, the way she's presented to the audience. Where did we see that before? Like the happy-go-lucky? The happy-go-lucky stuff. Bailey. Bailey, exactly. And I, I get that feeling that she's kind of like a Bailey. And do you think Willow will forever stay uh, a face? Or do you think at some point in time they may want to work with that? Or do you say no? She she is a part of the show, much like an Orange Cassidy, that you just don't really mess with that formula. You, you leave it to the regular recipe of Coca-Cola. I write it as long as you can. If, if the fan starts to turn on her or it's just she becomes irrelevant with this gimmick, then a heel turn would be great. I mean, Bailey's had a heel turn. She has. You know, she went with the, um, well, she became a Karen, for lack of better terms. Oh, no, she very much did. And it worked. Worked for her great. So it, it's very rare to somebody have a gimmick and ride that gimmick forever. It does happen sometimes, but they're few and far. So at some point, they will have to do something else with her. But her gimmick is working. And we don't get a lot of exposure to her over here either, which helps. Because she's still over in uh, New Japan a bunch. She is. She still does that. Right? And I think that's what's really cool about AEW is that they allow their performers to do crossover stuff and it definitely makes things more exciting um but i'm a huge fan of yellow like i don't know if i could be more of a fan like i remember when you and i were talking with i'm a huge Shayna baszler fan i think she's fantastic i am just as high on willow nightingale as i am Shayna baszler i love chris statlander as well she has battled back with so many injuries over the last couple of years you know blew out both of her knees and she's back and i think she's doing a great job i think there has there has to be a lot of credit given to the AEW women's division because of everything that's happened. Think about this, Buster. I mean, no Britt Baker. They haven't even explained what's going on with that. No Britt Baker. You know, you have Jamie Hayter who's been out for a year. And they're still not sure. There's a projected date of February when she's going to come back. On the pay-per-view, they announced that Serena Deeb is going to be coming back, which is great. We're going to finally on Wednesday night see the debut of Mariah May, who, for those of you who are not super familiar with Mariah May, go to YouTube. The girl has done some amazing stuff overseas. She's a great, great talent, and I can't wait to see her. Thunder Rosa back, I think, is a big deal as well. Um, love me some Harkara Shida. I think she's is phenomenal. This girl seems to be over, and I, I literally don't understand how it is. What's your thoughts on Rio? She's over. There's she's no doubt she's good. over. I don't because she looks like she's 12. I don't know. She does. I don't want to be the guy to, to cut somebody up, but I don't think she's that good she does not entertain yeah i mean some people right. could say that about uh, maki ito as well that's the girl who has the the red dyed hair she's japanese and she has pigtails and she screams a lot and i can see it's just not your cup of tea and i think no. a lot of wrestlers don't 
fit that mold, if that makes sense. The super petite, the super small. Um, you know, we saw that with Layla Hirsch. Now, she is not your typical um, sized wrestler, but she's really technical and she's really good and she has an attitude about her. So, I mean, I think that makes you overlook that. But Riho, I don't understand. I don't know if it's because she's associated with Kenny Omega or what, but she just, I would agree with you. I don't seem to get that vibe from her that she is a dominant presence to be a world champion. But we're in a minority. We are. We very much are. I mean, she, people like her. They do. And I'm, and I'm not saying, don't, don't take this I'm being a jerk here or saying, no, she's no good. She's a bomb. No, no, no. Not what I'm saying at all. She's just not real polished. Like the explosive stuff when she does the um, 619. Correct. It's not smooth. Like when Ray does it, he's flying, he hits the ropes and he swings. She doesn't so much just kind of catches herself and swings her lower half through it. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily the Kenny Omega effect that would make me like her or dislike her personally. Uh, I don't I don't judge it on who they're acquainted with or who they're trained with or whatnot. See either you entertain me or you don't. Right. That's that's me. Yeah, she um it's interesting because she's a high flyer. She is very quick. But I think when you look at the roster that they have, I don't know how well she matches up with a lot of these other talents. I really don't. But we'll see. I mean, it looks like they're going to be bringing her over more. So a lot of people don't understand this, but when AEW signs wrestlers to contracts, they're on different tiers, right? So it's not like they're signed and they get X amount of money and whatever. They're on different tiered levels, meaning they have so many dates they work with the company, you know, X, Y, and Z. That's why a lot of guys aren't necessarily in the States when they're signed to AEW. Um, Kota Ibushi, for example, is signed to All Elite Wrestling, but I don't know what tier he's on because he was over in Japan. And unfortunately, I heard that he had to go to the hospital recently. Um, I don't know if it was a sickness or an injury. I'm going to look into that a little bit more. But I just don't feel like she matches up, especially with the new people coming in, you know, with Mariah May, who I think is going to do really well. Um, I was teasing you about what I think they're going to do with the Mariah May storyline as it relates to her and uh, Timeless Tony Storm. I think they're going to do the whole Trish Stratus, Mickey James obsession angle where she's always kind of her lackey, always kind of her lackey. And then all of a sudden she's going to kind of break out from her from that. Right. I um, see it. It makes sense. I mean, we started there. Well, they could have done that. They could have done that with Rebel. They absolutely, I mean, how you remember we were talking about this at one point, and this is yes. years ago now. She was being so bullied and put down verbally that so many people were jonesing for Rebel to turn on her for a Rebel turn. And I think that would have been amazing, just like people were clamoring for Wardlow to turn on Max way before that happened. And there's certain moments that are organic, and I hope they do this the right way. But I'm excited about Mariah May uh, as well. So uh, let's move on to the next match. It was a 20-man battle royal, uh, and the winner would get a shot at the TNT Championship currently held by Christian Cage. And the winner, and I still don't understand how this has actually come about. Maybe you can educate me here. Luchasaurus is now referred to as Killshot. Kill Switch. Kill Switch. Okay. Maybe I. Maybe my ADD was kicked in. I don't remember when this whole name change occurred or the reasoning behind it. Uh, can you shut After about a on month there? ago, a little better than a month ago, uh, okay. just Christian changed his name. Just like Christian took his title. Yeah, basically. So, Kill Stroke, Kill Shot, whatever Money you want shot. to call it. Yep. 
uh, ends up winning the Battle Royal. This plays into what happens later on in the show. Hook and Wheeler Yuta go at it for the FTW Championship. Obviously, Hook ends up retaining. Um, it was an okay match. Uh, I, I like that match. I really like that match. See, I like I, I like Hook a lot, tremendously. I just want to know if they're going to take the next step with Hook because I feel like we're starting to get into that real convenient groove for Hook. We don't really see him going out of his comfort zone. We don't really see him in um, more high-profiled matches. It always seems to be the guys that are right around that upper C, lower B range, and that's kind of where I would put Wheeler Yuta. Um, would you agree with that, or would you rank Wheeler higher than that? No, you're probably right. You're a little hard on Wheeler. You don't like him for some reason. Well, first of all, facial hair needs to go. Really? That, yes, that does you, not look believable. You're going to cut up somebody's facial hair? Don't you dye your beard? I do dye my beard, but at least the hair looks good. His beard it just looks bad. like his. It, there's just so much, and it just looks like it's glued on, like a, a bad toupee. I have a big beard. You do have a big beard. Oh my! I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of Wheeler Yuta. I mean, there were some moments that I was I was really behind him, and I thought eh, maybe. But it's just, I just don't get excited or fired up when he comes out. Anyway, Hook wins that match. Um, let's go on to a match that got a lot of criticism. Well, there's two matches that got a lot of criticism. First of all, let's talk about Julia Hart and Abaddon. A um, couple things that come to your mind when you think of that match when you watched it. What was your take on the when, on that match with those two ladies? Meh. Yeah. And great time to go make a sandwich. Yeah. Amen. Uh, it wasn't good. It, it it was not good. I mean, Julia Hart's way better than she was. She's got a ways to go. I'm a fan of Julia, but she has a ways to go. The whole Abaddon gimmick, I don't understand that. that to me, that's fooey. I've never been a fan of that. You know that yourself. I've told you that numerous times. I, I just, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know where you'd go with that or where they were going with that, why it happened. You could use a championship belt better. Well, the belt needs to mean something. That's the it, whole point of belts. It does. It does. Now, I think I'm kind of like the exact, I'm flipped where you are. I'm okay with Abaddon. Um, I knew for a fact that Abaddon had been, she was really highly used on like dark elevation, especially during the pandemic at, at Daly's place when, there literally was no one there. It was just the wrestlers up around the ring. And she had, it was the red version of her at that time. And I thought the presentation was, was spectacular. Now, could she wrestle really well? I didn't feel like she could. And I think then she just kind of went away for a while. And I, I think she probably uh, was cutting her teeth wrestling somewhere else and really trying to, not with the whole get up on, you know, so you couldn't tell it was her, but I think she really improved. And I actually like the look and I think she's better than I originally thought she was. But Julia Hart, here's my problem with Julia. Julia Hart, I believe was, was made the TNT champion or the TBS champion. Sorry, because they wanted to try to elevate her, right? Make her seem more than what she had been. But man, I think she might be a step above Rio, if that. I put her on the Rio level. Just her in-ring ability is not super believable. Um, I'm not saying she's not talented. I'm not saying she can't get better. I'm just saying right now, I mean, it's kind of a stretch to see somebody 
struggle against a Julia Hart, if that makes sense, where somebody would have a difficult match or a difficult time dethroning her from the, the TBS championship. I mean, think about the, the people who were T, uh, TBS champion before. You had Jade, who couldn't wrestle worth a shit, but all of her matches were, were basically squash matches. And then you finally had somebody who I thought was really good, which was Chris Statlander, but you never really gave her much of a long run with the title. And then you end up putting it on Julia because you're trying to build a new star in Julia, but I just don't feel like Julia is quite ready. And I feel like that championship is, I hate to say it, kind of wasted right now. Um, they should have built Statlander up to be this dominant force and then wait for someone to come up like Statlander. And then when Thunder Rosa came back to have Thunder Rosa challenge Statlander and have a feud with that, I think that would have been really, really cool. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, what do you give this match? A C, C minus. Like I, I didn't, I did not enjoy it. Um, I don't care. No, it's mean, but I don't care. I don't care. I made a sandwich on the last match. This one, I just, I don't care. I, I agree. C minus is fair. I'm not going to give him a D, um, but I'll give a C minus. It just wasn't there. Tony Storm versus Rio. I think we've beaten this one to death before. Do you like the whole timeless Tony Storm gimmick? That's okay. That's I'm I'm not. It's not over with me. Like I don't get excited about it. I don't hate it. Right. It's just it's okay. It's a gimmick. I just like the fact we're using Luther. That's probably well, my favorite part of that gimmick. Luther has really found his niche. He is fantastic with her. Okay. Um, I think he should have more lines to say. But just his facial expressions and what he does, Luther has found his niche. And I feel like if you change her from being Timeless Tony Storm to being the Gold Coast badass again with the little uh, mark underneath the eye where she was just an ass kicker, uh, I don't really know what that would do with Luther at that point in time. Some people really like this this Timeless character. I myself feel like it's, in one sense, I say, oh, yeah, I think it's too gimmicky, but that yet I, I like Abaddon, so that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I don't know. I just never felt like you were going to get a title change, and I don't feel like you're going to get a title change until Jamie Heater comes back. Would you concur with that? Yeah, that would that'd be accurate. I mean, who really would you put the belt on right now? Statlander? Uh, you won't put it on um, Willow because she's not wrestling over here enough. So you'd have Statlander as an option. You could have Statlander. I think that could be an option um, for you. Thunder Rosa. Um, I could see Deeb's going to get a run with her I coming back. Now. See Serena Deeb. She never got a chance at the title or to be champion. I think she should. I mean, they're going to do something with her. You don't do vignettes of somebody coming back if you're going to do nothing with them. I agree 100%. Well, you would hope not anyhow. Tony Khan can't fuck it up that bad, can he? Well, we'll hold our tongues on that one. Uh, let's go to our next one. Big Bill, Ricky Starks, and the Don Callis family took on Sting, Darby Allen, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara. Um, it felt like everyone was on a different page on this match. Yeah. No, you got it again. Uh, it was it was a mess. It was a, it was a clusterfuck. It was very clunky. It did not feel like yeah. any rhythm started. Um, yeah, and it was it was just rough, and we'll get into the Jericho thing later on, but I just feel like in a lot of ways, you know, when you take guys, I thought it should have been a Big Bill-Ricky Starks tag match for the tag titles, but obviously Kenny has diverticulitis, and he's going to be out for quite a while, so it was supposed to be the Golden Jets, then that kind of fell through, 
And it was kind of like, what are we going to do? So then it became just this big mashup of people. And Well, you had to do something with those titles, though. You can't leave those titles just hanging till Kenny's back. Because Kenny could be a long-ass time. He could be so a long-ass time. got to do something. Well, but you got to think about the same thing with the trios titles. Those things have been Who are around. the trios champions? Huh? Who is the trios champions? The I don't even remember in, anymore. In Badass Billy Gunn. Oh, yeah. And it's been that way for too long. Like, I, they have not had title defenses in a long time. No. And I just feel like that whole shtick has kind of run its course. What, the acclaim shtick? Yes, I do. I really do. Again, I just like things being refreshed and touched up and, you know, every so often you add a little bit of a twist to something. And I feel like it definitely needs that. The trio's titles definitely. I liked it when it was on the House of Black, but then obviously that that changed, but so be it. Um, let's go to another match that was supposed to happen, uh, but it didn't. It was supposed to be Swerve versus Keith Lee. Now, Butster, is it just me or is it super confusing? Like, Tony Khan was trying to explain how they started this Keith Lee Swerve thing a while ago. Remember when they were tag team champions and then there was a conflict between them and then they were going to have this match and they were really teasing it. And then it was just gone. It was just not there. And they did the whole swerve turns on Keith Lee with a cinder block. And then you would think, oh, when Keith Lee heals up, he's going to come back and go head hunting for, for swerve. And that didn't even happen. So we find out literally an hour or so before the pay-per-view that Keith Lee has not been cleared by doctors. He has been battling multiple injuries and uh, the doctor of AEW, I don't know if it was Samson or not, declared him not eligible to wrestle. So they put in one of your favorites, Dustin Rhodes and Swerve One, which that's what it should be. Swerve should be building himself up to be world champion, in my opinion. They they really should build him up. Um, I'm not a Dustin guy. I mean, I feel like I don't know. I just it, he's not believable in the ring at his age, and I feel like it could have been better if somebody else would have been in there with him. But Tony Khan in the scrum said Dustin stepped up, and that's what what ended up happening. What did you think of this match? Did you think this was a pay per view worthy match? I mean. Keep in mind, it was thrown together at the last second. For being thrown together at the last hour? Yeah. And um, you're wrong. Just, just, I just wanted to point that out. You are 100% wrong. Okay. Dustin I'll take is it. amazing. Yes, okay. he's lost a step. No, he's not what he was. Agreed. 100%. But I think Dustin's the cat's meow. 100% I think he's the cat's meow. That was not a bad match. For, for the amount of time you had to throw, basically throw a match together, it wasn't bad. Dustin can still go at his age. Not like he used to, but he can still wrestle. And, and Swerve's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's well-known fact. He's excellent. I like that match. Would I have had it on a pay-per-view? Probably not. No. Dynamite, yeah, for sure. Collision, whatever, sure. It's hard with a match like this because part of it is a story to go with it. Well, we didn't have that. There's no story. It's just, hey, this is what we're doing now because we have to fill this 15 minutes. So that's one of the biggest issues I had with it is you just, you had no lead up. You had no, nothing to it. There's no logic to it. There was, 
It was just, it was a throw together, and and that's what it was, and it, and it felt like it. I I was okay with the match. Moving on, we um we then had Miro versus Andrade El Idolo, which ended up becoming Andrade's final match in AEW. Uh, Miro ends up winning. It has CJ Perry ends up turning on Andrade and writing him off. That made sense. Um, Miro's a beast. And now he's back with CJ Perry. I think that that's a dynamic duo. And I think they're definitely going to have to utilize them big time. I think that would be amazing um, to see some matches with, with him. I mean, really against anybody. But I think he definitely needs to be focused on a lot more. What was your thoughts on the Mira Andrade match? It was okay. Um, nothing spectacular. Nothing special. It was good. Uh, I agree with you that they need to do something with Miro now. Uh, first name pops into my head. I don't know if it makes story sense. Is Hobbs. I'd love to watch Miro and Hobbs wedded. Just two absolute beasts. I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, where, where's that Andrade going? Andrade, um, we, now we don't know what he's going to be doing. A lot of people assume he's going to be going back to WWE. On social media today, he went ahead and he posted his thank yous to AEW. And his contract was up, and he was not going to renew. And um, a lot of people believe he's going to go back to WWE. So we'll see what happens there. You know what's interesting? Ric Flair is in AEW. And you would think that they would try to appease Andrade by making Flair his manager or something. I mean, I would have thought they would have put those two together. I really do. But I guess that that just didn't happen. Um, but... We had Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Mark Briscoe, Daniel Garcia, Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. They were in an eight-man. This one was better than the other uh, multi-man tag match. I actually really liked this one. What was your take? Amazing. Uh, Brody King scares me. Brody King scares the crap out of a lot of people. That dude scares me. I would not want to irritate him slightly. If he showed up and told me he wanted my truck, I'd just give him the keys. Did you say irritate or irrigate? Irritate. irritate. How, do, how do you irrigate somebody? I have no idea, but Brody King could probably find a way to irrigate you. Probably could. He, he scares the shit out of me. He's amazing. I love him. Yeah. Um, Mark Briscoe. Unfortunately, I didn't know a lot about the Briscoes. Yeah. Uh, just when I started discovering them, you know, we had our, the tragedy there. Mark Briscoe's excellent. That good. hillbilly kung fu or redneck kung fu or whatever, yeah. I could scream and doing the chops, just amazing. I like him. Uh, everybody in that in that match was great, and they all worked together. Right. That, that was a very good match because generally uh, an eight man, eight person match. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot going on. It's it a can lot get kind of hectic. It can get unorganized. It can, you know. That match was pretty good. As an eight-man goes, that's pretty damn good because it can get just crazy. They put off a great match. It was very entertaining. Uh, Claudio, when he did the uh, helicopter with Brody, well, that takes some kind of strength. Like, we know Claudio's a strong dude, but good Lord, that's a, that's some kind of strong to do that that's with the powerful. Yes. I mean, Brody's three bills. He has mm-hmm. me 300 pounds, no? But he's a oh, I believe big, he's big man. That. Yeah, I just everything in that match was good. Uh, Garcia's nose got busted pretty early, and he kept going. Kudos to him because that's painful. Uh, no, it was just overall that was a very good match. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Um, let's move on to a match that I was not quite prepared for what was going to happen. Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland for the TNT Championship. This match did have a story behind it, a good story behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was more involved than I thought. I mean, from Copeland, uh, and Christian going into the audience and then him diving off of a balcony, uh, Copeland on to um, to Christian, the flaming table um, that I, and I kind of have some reservations on when it comes to flaming tables, if that should happen still in this day and age. But Nick Wayne going through a flaming table, kind of going over it. He was he was really trying to make sure the kid didn't get scorched. I, I He wanted to make the spot look cool, but not get an 18 year old kid burnt. In front of his mother, who's a part of the storyline as well. Um, I feel like Christian has done an amazing job as TNT champion. Like, he is so fluid. There are many weeks that I feel like he's the one who keeps that ship going at times. I really do. Through all the ups and downs that have been going on now, with Adam Cole being gone, Kenny being gone, the Young Bucks being gone, Andrade on his way out, the women's division having all these injuries. He was the one consistency that I really felt like has done a great job. This match uh, delivered and then some. Uh, and a little twist at the end. A little twist at the end. Kind of remind me of um, Bret Hart and Yokozuna, WrestleMania 9. And then all of a sudden something happened at the end. Uh, so Adam Copeland ends up winning the, the TNT Championship. Play his music. But then what happens, Buckster? Kill Switch comes out. And um, Christian... And him have a little talking, and Kill Switch gives over his contract. And Christian gets his rematch with Adam Copeland right on the spot after, no, he just piss beat out of him. And Christian's your champion again. Copeland's reign was about 48 seconds long. Don't know if that one's going to get beat anytime soon. But it was a great swerve. It was phenomenal. Nobody's seen that coming. Anybody tells you they've seen that coming, you're a liar. Lying through your teeth. Yeah, I mean, when you saw when you saw Luchasaurus win the Battle Royal, in my mind, I thought, wait a minute, this is a first shot at the TNT Championship. This is a little awkward. Is this going to be him turning on Christian? Like, that is what I thought. I thought he could turn on Christian or they could have milked this for several weeks with Christian trying to butter him up to not keep the the briefcase or the whatever. And then I thought to myself, so what ultimately are they going to do? And ultimately, they ended up going with uh, with Christian getting that. Let's jump over to Eddie Kingston taking on John Moxley for the Continental Classic Finals. Did you almost feel like this was a moment for Eddie? This is a great moment for Eddie. You know what I did feel watching that is I felt them slapping the shit out of each other. Oh my Those god! The shops were. Oh my lord! They took it. They 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 smacked each other's souls out of their bodies. That was good, Matt. Like that yes. was fantastic and. And the moment at the end, especially when you're talking like Mox and, and Eddie Kingston too, because Mox is, you know, your tough, hardcore, you know, bleeding all the time. And Eddie's your New York badass, you know, and then they do the hug at the end. That was a nice. I, I enjoyed that. Unexpected. I show us the respect to have, but I mean, they've been buddies for a very, very long time. Do you, would, would you say it's almost a throwback to Dustin versus Cody when they, uh, they yeah. had their battle and then hugged at the end. Yeah, I would say it's some, maybe not to the extent of that, because I mean, Dustin and Cody are actually 
brothers, like blood. But it was up there. It was absolutely up there. That was a good match. It was a really good match. But, man, they are sore today. Oh, they have God. to be. But it, it's so cool. I mean, the way they did the Continental Classic, I felt like the matches were good, but I feel like there should have been other people involved in it. Um, I don't necessarily think that it was the best to have Jay Lethal involved. I think you could have had some bigger names like Hangman should have been in it. Um, but again, you know, hindsight's 2020. There was no Pentagon in there, no Ray Phoenix in there. I think there could have been some much more unique styles that could have maybe enhanced it. But overall, I thought the Continental Classic did a really, really great job. Now it's a, a belt. So I guess that's going to be defended. I mean, I know how much you love more AEW belts. Oh, you know. There's going to be point. more too, by the way. How many more? Well, well, you got the the talents that took the longest piss today championship. No, stop it. They're going to probably introduce a women's tag championship. Is is I mean that makes common sense oh, right Jesus there. Christ, I think they should have a Latin American championship. I really do. I think that would be cool. Sure, let's have ninety one titles. There should be like a Midwest champion, and then like a Northeastern champion, and a Southeastern champion, and then maybe a West Coast champion. And you're trying to I make mean, my everybody blood pressure should have high. Belts. Everybody should have a belt. You're just pissing right. me off on purpose. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It should be. It's good. All right, we're gonna we're gonna this come back. Happy New Year! Like putting the butt over the edge. Oh my god, we're gonna come back to this because I want to finish the main event. Plus, I do want to talk a little Chris Jericho as well. What's been going on with that? Where is uh, Andrade going to be heading, Miss um, Monet? Where is she going to be heading? All that stuff. All that good news and so much more. But it's time to talk a little front row referee. Let's go ahead and bring him in. First, let's introduce him. The first man joining us on the po- on the panel is Nick Papa G. What's going on, buddy? What's up, guys? How are you? Nick, you? Uh, I can't complain. Another day. Another day. Another day. The holidays. How were they for you? Uh, peaceful. I'm just glad they're over with. Go back to go back to regular life now. <laughs> go, go back to regularly scheduled programming. Already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a, I'm not a bah humbug, but I'm, I'm just glad it's over with. <laughs> let's go ahead and let's bring in the legend, the icon himself, Mr. Jim Molino. What's going on there, buddy? Hey guys, how are you? We I'll are good. Home. What up, Jim? Hey, Jim. Going? How are you? So, so Jim, Jim had the Griswold thing going. I mean, he was, he was Clark W with the whole family, and uh, how'd all that turn out for you? Uh, we we squeezed everybody in. Uh, we, we've got a pretty small house, and, and that you know it's grown with grandchildren. But we were able to get everybody in the house. We luckily we didn't have to all the dogs. Everybody didn't bring their dogs with them. That would have been a disaster with uh, <laughs> three dogs on top of. Uh, of all the people in the house. So I can assume you're probably ready to get back to a uh, regular lifestyle again. Yeah, we, we started with everything's down inside and the tree is down. Tree's on the street already. I'm trying to fix, <laughs> trying to fix my picture here. So excuse me while I'm doing that. But there we go. I want to get some things out of the way, out of the picture. Let's uh, let's go ahead and bring in another member joining the crew. Uh, Ref Adam, what's going on, buddy? Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I think they both sound like bah humbugs to me. I wish it was still Christmas. My <laughs> no. trees still up. Good my house. decorations house. are still up. I got my family to your house for. Christmas. I got. Uh, do I have to start pull, uh, pulling out the guns right now already? Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fair, Jim. I 
that I don't have anybody to entertain or anybody to worry about. So that's why I like the holidays. I, <laughs> I, I didn't say in every day. And... <laughs> I didn't say I entertained them. They, were <laughs> <laughs> they had to come over. So, well, you know, <laughs> there's that. So let me throw this out here really quick before we kind of get into some, some, some shop talk here. Favorite holiday movie. If you got to pop one on, you're going to pop one in. What's it going to be? Let's start off with, uh, with Nick. What are you going to pop in there? What's going to be your go-to man? We're going to watch this one. I was pretty pissed that it wasn't on like any kind of premium cable channel, but a uh, bad Santa actually uh, is, uh, is my go-to because that's, you know, Adam and Jim know me as more of a miserable person most of the time, but you know, it's, that's kind of where we're at with that one. Bad Santa. So let me let me think here. That is Billy, Billy Bob Thornton. Thornton. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Or if you want to see a more updated version of a of a good movie, actually go with um, Office Christmas Party. Oh, that's actually that's very good. You gotta watch. Oh. You gotta watch everything on premium channels, or you can't watch it on like that censored TBS BS. You know all that stuff, or TNT, whatever you want to watch it on. Oh, let, let's go to Adam. Adam being the new guy here. Adam, you're you're watching one Christmas movie or holiday. Are you uh, you uh, got one that you go to, or not so much? Not so much, actually. Usually, I, I I don't not I'm not a big enough movie person. But this year, I did watch Home Alone and Home Alone Two for the first time in a long time, and I must have watched it. Many, many times uh, growing up because it felt like I had watched it yesterday and it had been many years. So it was awesome. I think I'll do it again next year. They're classics for a reason. So I enjoyed both of them thoroughly. I think there has a lot to be said. And I think the Wet Bandits would make a great tag team in wrestling. Would they not? <laughs> Don't give somebody the idea. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. The Wet Bandits. It, those two work so well with each other. Um, Joe, Joe Pesci's is, is, is great, but I'm trying to remember the actor, um, who played his uh, Daniel Stern, Daniel yeah. Stern. Oh, his facial features, his screams. It was just, <laughs> was so, so good. Um, Jim, what we got, what's your pick? I, I got to go old school classic and, and go with the original miracle on 34th street. Oh, wow. Now let me think. Uh -huh. Did that come out in, was it in 34? No, no. It was 1947, maybe? Something like that. I know it was like right after World War II. Okay. Let me see here. Are you, do you know, are, is that one of your go-to movies? Are you pretty familiar oh, yeah. with that? Yeah. Oh, I might have to throw some Miracle on 34th Street trivia to you throughout the show today and just see uh, see what you got here. Do um, try Let's let's go to the Butster up in Canada. Uh, to all of our friends in foreign countries, what do you guys typically watch? Um, I think I it's a fair why, question. I don't know why I do this every week. Jesus. Polar Express is my favorite. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense because uh, you got to get the Trailer Boys up there? Christmas yeah. special. Good trailer book. Park Boys Christmas Boys. is amazing also. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But no, it's Polar Express is, is our go-to in this house. I don't think I've ever seen Trailer Park Boys. Is it? Is really? It, it is a Canadian production, correct? Yeah, they're from Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Okay. So what is the premise of, of Trailer Park Boys? Oh, exactly. my. <laughs> uh, they're Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, they're just three degenerates. <laughs> no further explanation needed. Yeah. You need to, yeah. Watch it and get back to me. It's quite a cult classic. 
Where where can you find Trailer Park Boys? Is it streaming on a particular service? Uh, they have it on Netflix, I know. Okay. Nice. It's, it's so, pretty interesting. I want to ask you guys a question. I'm going to get into the into the questions here, but is anybody a big fan of eggnog? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Depends. Yeah, is there any no. rum in it? I didn't drink much of it this year, but usually... Oh, it's, I stay away from that stuff. No eggnog. No, so no, no eggnog for, for Nick or Jim. You guys uh, are just... No, thank you. I'm a rum yeah. drinker, but I'm like, I don't drink that, though. <laughs> rum and eggnog is a fantastic breakfast on the 25th. <laughs> and a side dish of salmonella. You can't be. Well, hey, there's nothing wrong with that every now and then. So it hasn't killed me yet. I, I don't know. I really, really hated eggnog for, for years. And for whatever reason, I went out and I got some. And I was like, I'm going to give it one more try. And I tried it and I actually liked it. Do, do you feel like, and this is not an old knock. Does anybody feel like your taste buds change over the years to something that maybe you didn't like, now you do, or even vice versa? That like, depends on what it is. I feel like it does, but I think once once they change, like I don't think they change when you're older, older. I don't know. You, know, you don't like beer when you're 11, but you like it when you're 18. <laughs> and then you like it the rest of the way out. So. I did that with Jack Daniels. I didn't like it when I was 11, but I did when I was 18. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're good friends now. <laughs> wow. All right. So for everybody listening, um, the big announcement that I uh, teased at the beginning of the show was we are now not only going to be an audio podcast that you guys can listen to in your leisure, but you're also going to be able to watch us as well. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to be putting this up for people to watch. <laughs> have to get their time, huh? We're going to we're going to get great ratings. I'm telling you, right? Okay, now. Yeah, you can watch me bury people now. <laughs> <laughs> now they know who to shoot. Oh, they know what you look like when they. What what do you what do you think I have my Twitter handle for on here now? So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. I decided to, to knock that. I off. I warned Adam about this prior to this, so oh, oh good. <laughs> it so gets Adam, ugly. Adam is well aware now. Adam, let, since you're new to the crew here, uh, how do you feel about it? Been long enough. Past you. How, how do I feel about what? Uh, about being a, a video show as well. Are you cool with? Oh, that? No, I'm fine. Yeah, that's okay with me. Yeah. No I, I I almost feel like I'm drunk right now with your background. It's all blurry. So I was. Yeah, like, I decided cool. to blur it out. But that's just used to uh, my my work settings and like that. So just nice. my Batman posters behind me. So try to hide them. Out. <laughs> that's too much advanced technology for me to even figure out. <laughs> Not happening here. Yeah, gonna, all right, uh, let, let's do this real quick before we get into the first. It's just going off the rails quick. It has. We man, we're going to get into it, and we're not. What is that? Okay, anybody can guess. In Butster, don't tell anybody. What do you think that thing is hanging on the wall behind Christopher Butt's face? I'm going to zoom into it. I want everybody to get an idea, get a good look. What do you think that is? And I want an exact name of the instrument. No, I just oh god. I was going to guess an instrument, so I guess now I, that, that takes the fun out of it. Until <laughs> until you, until you zoomed yeah. in, it, I, I thought it was a, a deflated whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> that is his red room. By yes, the way, Jim. So that's what I decorate my house with. <laughs> the Fifty Shades room. <laughs> my wife doesn't get upset at all. <laughs> a deflated whoopee cushion. Okay. Uh, Adam, what do you think is hanging on the this guy's wall? Let's go ahead and zoom back in. Get a good picture of this. 
I mean, it looks like a, a violin of some sort, but it's not. I know that it's not. Now, uh, is this is this uh, privy to just uh, your country, or is this a, a instrument that's that's played in other in other nations? I'm sure it is. I don't know. Linda owns it. <laughs> You're gonna have to get her in the room then. We're gonna yeah. need the exact name of it. Is it from the 14th century? It Possibly. looks old. <laughs> Give me is I'll get you is that a mandolin, or am I incorrect in that? Let's go back to. I don't that. think. I don't even think he knows. I don't think Butster knows. Oh, no. are, you, are you texting your wife right now? Yep. Okay, and... <laughs> it's, a, it's a zither. She may not know. <laughs> it's a what? A zither. Oh God. Jesus. As, as his wife responds to that, let's go into our first segment here. Uh, we've talked a lot about life as a referee, and you guys know it. Backwards and frontwards. When you're on the road, um, is there anybody who, if they say, hey, man, let's get a bite to eat, who's fun to go get a bite to eat with? Whether it's three in the friggin' morning and you're tired as hell, or you're like, you know what? This is one damn good conversation for a meal. Uh, we're going to go to Jim first. Uh, Jim, Jim, who stands out as somebody who's a lot of fun to go to a restaurant with? Oh, whoever's paying. referees don't make that much money (laughs) um that handshake and hot dog doesn't go very far yeah Uh, you know you're stopping at the waffle house probably if if it's in the middle of the night um i don't know i don't know if there are that many go-to people that i would pick for shane douglas was a hell of a conversationalist still is um, off of the, the topic of wrestling. I mean, he'll just talk about anything. Um, He's big into politics too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, but you don't want to get him in the, in the talk politics. That's what I was he'll told. Pontificate forever. Correct. Um, whether you agree with his politics or not, whatever they are, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, but he always, you know, had some, he, he was a, a pretty decent river too. Um, would would be able to pull something off at at a meal. Um, so that that counts too. We're going to get into ribbing uh, soon, um, but I also want to ask you the question, Jim. Have you ever had a meal with balls Mahoney? Oh hell no, no. What? But but hold on. The better question is why <laughs> oh not? Why, why not? Why not have a, a dinner with why? balls? The, the better question is why. <laughs> Christ. He seems like he seemed like he was a very very nice man. He, he is. I, we we kid about him a lot because we we love him so much. Um, but no, I just never had the opportunity with him. I, I didn't. He wasn't in my travel groups. Um, he was he was out of the the New York North Jersey um, flights, and they would usually carpool together. And I was out of the the Southern New Jersey Philadelphia group. So we we would tend to ride together. So let me see here. So who would fall into that category that would be in the car with you? Um, occasionally Francine. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you who I drove with. I think I we told this before. The person I drove with the most was Debbie Beaumont, who was um, Paul's assistant. Yes. And she had to, I had to drive her. She didn't have a valid driver's license. Um, 
same and we were always like the first ones at the building so uh debbie was who i drove with the most and and then from there we would the, the people that would get early to the building we would tend to ride with um some of the the merchandise people um you know um just incredible nice. uh, his his wife um jill was helped with the merchandise so we would we would drive with them occasionally so it varied on on timing to the building because we would get there so early because Debbie ran usually ran the box office for buildings. So she had to be so definitely she's somebody who had to be there. So you weren't going to be running late. I mean, you, oh, you knew no. what was going to be going on. No, now I mean, sometimes I'd have to you know go back to the hotel or, or an airport or something and pick somebody like maybe Paul even <laughs> who knew knew when Paul would show up. Let oh, him, you know have the card ready. Wow. Uh let's go over to Adam. Adam, who who's fun to have a meal with? Like if if all of a sudden the show's over and this person puts their hand on your shoulder and says, "Hey man, want to get some food?" Who, who's most likely are you to say yes to and who would you say, "Um, I got to get to bed." <laughs> well, similar to the kind of what Jim was talking about, I kind of ride with a lot of the I don't ride with a lot of wrestlers as much like i do ride um nick gage a lot i drive with nick gage a lot i i do drive nick a lot so that's obviously you know nick's always an interesting conversation and a good time <laughs> um and and uh but a lot of times like like uh jim was just alluding to usually with other referees or mlj our ring announcer uh at gcw i travel with emil pretty much we're like we say we're road wives or road husbands or whatever you want to call it. We fight over who's, I guess, who's the wife or not. Um, but uh, Emma and I, we always have a good time if we go to get something to eat. And we try to try, when we go to a new city, we always try to find, like, that, like, you know, the cool thing that you eat, like the touristy type place to get, like, the that type of food. And that's always a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so that's always interesting. I'm trying to think of who wouldn't, you know – these days to go get something to eat afterwards. What happens if Schlack asked you to get a bite to eat? Oh, Schlack wanted to, I'd get I'd get something to eat with Schlack as long as it was just that. You know, we just get something to eat and then I'll go back to the toilet. <laughs> but like Schlack's actually Schlack's a great conversation yes. and I'm sure Nick has more Schlack stories than I do. But um but I always like talking to Schlack because you know he's so scary from 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 afar but you get to know him and and you know, and it, yeah, he'll, he's interesting as all hell. So, um, so I would take him up for it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say no. No slide for to grab something to eat with him. Um, yeah, there's there's been a lot of interesting characters through, but yeah, and then it's it's some. Um, it's just it is what it is. You know, um, it's late at night. Get what you can and move on to the next town. So. Amen to that one, Nick. Uh, I feel like we probably got some interesting ones here. Who, who would you say absolutely? And uh, who would you say, yeah, you know what? Uh, I got to call the wife. Uh, I'm not going to be able to make this one. I, I actually, when I was go back to my uh, my WSU days, when I used to do airport pickups, uh, most of my stuff was always before shows. Um, I was always, and we're we're actually still tight to this day. But uh, with the three of us, it was actually like. It was me, like Mia Yim, it was Leva Bates, and like Sue Young. They were kind of like a combination of the three. Um, I'd pick up from uh, from the airport because they're all from, uh, uh, all three of them at the time were from Florida. So they're nine times out of ten. Luckily, they're all on the same flight. 
thank God, you know, so I didn't really have to wait, wait around for, you know, anybody else or anything like that. But uh, we're always a big um, Chick-fil-A uh, person. And I was always make fun of me again for what she would order because she would o- always order a soup and salad from Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> like, which wow. is like, which is always like a mortal sin. And to this day, I still, I still uh, bust her chops with that stuff. I'm like, you know, I would actually text her every now and then a picture of my Chick Fil A dinner. She'd always would, you know, would always, you know, send back uh, not suggestive uh, the script uh, to my phone <laughs> and stuff like that. So, and it, you know, but you know, and uh, there, you know, even back in my Chikara days, I'm like, I would always ride with them. Um, uh, me and uh, Drew Gulak would always uh, would um, always be driving around, but we'd always would hit up the um, most of the time. Nine times out of ten, I'm like, it'd always be a Wawa or some kind of neighbor, you know, local, you know, local place, you know, wherever we're at. Most of the time, you know, sometimes we're up in New England, you know, any basically any place that's open. And most of the time, we're up in New England. It's always we're coming back on a Sunday night, so you know, literally nothing's open, you know, at that time. You know, so like we'd always would have to stop at a random like gas station <laughs> and get food somehow. That's always the worst. We need to like, oh, piece, it's a, piece a meal it's, together at a gas station because nothing else is open. Yeah, BP, it's, it's the shit. Express. Yeah, uh, you'd be lucky if you could find a BP at that time anymore. You know, so it's, it's always like a Sunoco or something like that. I'm like, because you really you know, want like some sort of a meal, but then yeah. you're just eating like crackers and. A snack, you know, bag of chips or something like that. Yeah, not what you want after that long day. You know, unless they have like, let's have gas station like sushi or something like that. You know, that always goes a long way. I'm not rolling that does. That's- you, <laughs> hope they, you hope they have a refrigerated food section and they, that yeah. they have um, lunchables. Oh yeah. God, God bless them. <laughs> I've had that stuff thrown at me before. You, you had someone throw a lunchable at you? Oh, of course. You you know you get that you know that so called ham. You know, that's in, you know, that's actually in there. <laughs> you know, I love the fact he said ham in quotes. Yeah, quote in like and baloney, you know, whatever they want to refer to it as now. That's right. Who knows what can fall into an industrial sausage press? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God my cats are in the other room. <laughs> I, I worked in the slaughterhouse when I was younger. I can help Stop you a little Jesus bit with Christ. that. No, Peter's, Peter's shutting this down. All right, I'm gonna go to Bud. That soup Bud's. and salad sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe she was um, on to something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Butster, I'm gonna go to you. What uh, what wrestler would you? And I know you you you've interacted with a lot of different guys, and you think you know certain guys have good personality. Who would you who would you like to have a meal with? Would it be a Tommy? Because I know you're a big Tommy guy. Yeah, Tommy Dreamer. I think that wouldn't be terrible. I've had a beer with Tommy. Nice. Um. Yeah, the talent that I've met would probably be him. Uh, or Too Cold Scorpio was actually pretty cool when I met him. Um, first one I wouldn't go for fucking anything with would be Hannibal. The only way I would go for a walk with him is if he was in front of me and there was a pickup truck coming by. Wow. Well, that escalated quickly. What, I don't know much about him. Uh, I know he's a Canadian guy, but uh, but that's not. He's on the the bad list of butt. Am I correct on that, Butster? I wouldn't piss on him if he was on fire. Wow. Speaking of piss, um, no, uh, I won't go. Oh, yeah. we'll talk about it. Turn. What a segue. Yeah, <laughs> I would say one person I would 
God, I really would love to have a meal with would be Billy Jack Haynes. Oh, the stories. My God. Billy Jack Haynes. Did you ever see the YouTube video of him going after Stone Cold Steve Austin and wanting to have a UFC fight and he wanting um, Dana White to sanction it? Have you guys seen that? No. Okay, oh, God, you know no. what? Yes. As we talk here, I'm going to go ahead and get this because oh, you got this, this is, is fantastic. Cool. I mean, if you have not seen this, this is so good. So to, to kind of preface this, what happened was, if we all remember, um, there were, and I don't know if this was actually true or not, but allegations that Steve Austin, uh, there was some domestic violence, allegedly. And I use the word allegedly, especially after this weekend, because you, you shouldn't say stuff that you don't have facts. But allegedly, there was some stuff. And Billy Jack went off on Stone Cold Steve Austin because he decided that he was going to call him a wife beater. And I have the video here, and you can literally look it up. It's called Billy Jack Haynes Wife Beater. And uh, God, I hope I do the technology right on this because this is this is a trip and a half. Here we go. Um, Guaranteed commercial as soon as he puts it up. Just you watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Oh, where is this? Where is this? Did they take it down? Oh, they can't. They can't take this away. Uh, it was something about was Billy Jack not married to somebody who was married to Stone Cold to or something or another. If anybody point. has any Billy Jack information, now would be the time. Has anybody had any interactions with Billy Jack? I worked with him once um, when I first got in the business. When I was, it was Tri-State Wrestling, and it was him against Crush. Um, and that was like the first first match I, I worked with people with big big names. I, other than before that, the, I think the one would have been um, Cactus Jack against David San Martino because um, they were both working for Herb Abrams at the time. But um, but yeah, Billy Jack and and Crush, and that and in fact also that was the first time I got my picture in PWI. Uh, you know, how referees get their pictures in in magazines accidentally because they're in the way. <laughs> of the in the way, yeah, in the way of the photographer's shot. Um, but yeah, that was that's um, that was like the first big name. But I I don't remember much about interaction with him. Okay, so God, I hope I do this correctly. Let me see here. Um, bear bear with me here. I'm starting to get a little bit better at this. So let's see here. Uh, I got to do a share screen. Is that what I got to do? <laughs> Shit. Present. Here we go. I know. Pretty well, sure you're asking the wrong guy. Adam, we're a real, real high quality production show. <laughs> so I just I, I just hope at the end of the day you realize what you've gotten yourself into here. Um here we go. All right, tell me if you guys can hear this. Don't hold them. This should challenge you right now. Because I got one last fight. You versus me. You beat women real good. You're a woman beater. You punk ass woman beater. You're a woman beater. I don't like woman beaters, asshole. Dana White, let it happen. And may the best man win. Steve Austin, stone cold piece of shit. I'm a woman beater. You're not getting away with it. You're not beating a woman up in my watch. I'll knock your ass out, Steve Austin. You punk ass woman beater. Dana White, I know Vince, you're too chicken shit to take the fight. You're a mark. It's all work to you. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Pussy! 
you can beat up a woman, but you can't beat up Billy Jack Kane. You and everybody here might think I'm insane. Right, what's his name? Stone Cold Austin? Isn't he a woman beater? It's all at work. Caesar said the same thing, didn't he, Vince? He went on me, but now I'm challenging you to a UFC fight. One minute round to a finish. You're not getting away with it. You get it? You're not getting away with it. You're not beating a woman up on my watch. What goes around comes around, Vince. It's happening right now. And the same with you, too. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Billy Jack Haynes versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a UFC fight. No, I'm talking to shoot. What's the answer, Stone Cold? What's the answer? I'm taking you on. You got to have enough balls to say yes. Wait a minute, Stone Cold Baby. You're a girl. Who knows? I never see you in the shower. Billy Jack Haynes said so. Jesus Christ. I, I, how old is that? <laughs> I don't know what to say. That was probably... I don't know what to say. It wasn't a hell of a long time ago he put that up. Yeah, it was um, the quality of the video. I was expecting it to be older. Was part of it filmed in a cemetery? I, I think, think so. <laughs> I love the wig he's got on. I I was just about to say that hair cannot be that that that's <laughs> that's not shoot hair. Even a little bit. I've oh seen wavy God. hair, but never hair wave. Well, that was that was, that was phenomenal. <laughs> oh my! You know the fight wouldn't end in a bite. Don't uh, no, I can't believe. Uh, you're no, that's terrible, it. You're Mike. Canceled. Uh, now they got video proof too. They do. So I, I would have I would have dinner. I would have dinner with him. Um, I would have dinner with let's see. Who else would be a really I think Hawk from Legion of Doom would be a great person to have a meal with. Am I crazy in saying that? Does anybody have any interactions with Hawk? Uh, right now. Uh, no. Unfortunately, uh, no. 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 I think he would be a good one. Um, and and finally, my other one would be Bam Bam Bigelow. And I know Jim, you had some interaction. Bam Bam, I thought was a really yeah. good dude. Yeah, he was. He he was a really really good hearted person. Um, we did a promotion one time for for one of the pay per views at, at a local flea market, and I, for some reason, I had to bring my daughter with me. And man, he walked her around. And like you know, she he was like, "You're my, you're my daughter for the day," and and you know, just getting buying her like a Hello Kitty watch and all that, and just like people knew. I mean, wherever you would go, everyone knew who Bam Bam Bigelow was, um, and just you know, he was great with with everyone, with fans. With, he was great with little kids. Um, I cannot say a bad thing about it. the only bad thing I can say about him is that he's not in the Hall of Fame and he should be. Amen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bammer was great. It, it, is the story true that how he ended up passing away was he went into a building to, to get children out? Um, I don't know. I, I, I've heard different versions of it. I don't know if if that was what caused it or if that happened three weeks beforehand. Um, sure. but I, you know, I know that, that he did go in and, and pulled some kids out of a, a burning house. Wow. Tells you a lot about someone's character. It really, yeah, really does. Great, great guy. Great guy. Had so much fun with him in the ring, out of the ring. Always good to have around. So this kind of leads us to the next thing where I think it makes sense here. One of you guys teased about ribbing, and I think that was Jim. Um, from your 
who who is a good ripper? Nothing about ribbing. Who is who's who is <laughs> a good was, ripper? I was fortunate enough to be in ECW at the time of the well-known rib battle, rib war between uh, Nova and Al Snow. They just killed each other. Um, they would, you know, if, if you remember in magazines, I don't know if they still have them in magazines, the little things you'd fill out for for subscriptions or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, Al, Al would get stuff. Uh, subscriptions to the you know the, the the strangest magazines you could think of, or or Nova would get um, knocks on the door from guys from 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 army recruiters. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> and then and, and the funny thing is, <laughs> they would use they would other get use other guys shoot names when filling these things out. <laughs> You know, they would use Tommy Dreamer's shoot name <laughs> and they would cut, you know, and the recruiter would come to the door asking for. <laughs> um, I, I remember one time I had Al in the car with me and, and like out of nowhere he said, do you know that you have to leave a deposit when you want to um, when you want to um, dig up a, a, a hole in the ground for a pool? <laughs> um, probably, probably the topper was. Um, Al had left ECW. It was it was at WWF at the time, and we were doing one of the pay-per-views in um, Dayton, Ohio, which Al still lived in Ohio at the time. Wave. <laughs> and um, so he comes to came to the building to say hello to everybody, and um, <laughs> and Nova said, "Did you know that that uh, there's a yard sale at your house?" <laughs> <laughs> next next weekend, he said, "No, there's not a yard sale right now." <laughs> My God! Oh. And Nova showed him a bunch of Polaroids because Nova drove all the way to to oh. Lima, Ohio, however far it was, and put up <laughs> put up yard, yard sale signs all over the town <laughs> with Al's address on it. <laughs> so Al had to go home and rip them all down. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, there, there was another one where, where um, Al came home one day, and the, there, there are cops there at the house, and he's like, "What's going on?" And and he said, "Well, the, the cops said, well, we got a phone call um, that the person who just moved out of this house may have left a snake in the house." <laughs> and apparently, Nova called as 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 Tommy Dreamer's shoot name and, and told him that he, he had recently moved to New York. And, and when they got there, they couldn't find the snake and it may still be in the basement. Oh, God. <laughs> so they had, so they had cops and animal control there. I was going to say and, pest and, control. And, and apparently the, the local television station was listening to the police radio <laughs> and, they, and they showed up. Oh my God. That's ultimate right there. Wow. But yeah, that that was quite a war that went on. It may still be going on for all I know. <laughs> Wait, did, Al, did Al have any retaliation? That was too pretty. Yeah, well, well like like I said, Al said, "Did you know it caught you have to put a deposit if you want, oh, yeah. if, if you want to dig a pool in someone's yard?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, you know, like the um, <laughs> um, the um, um, the Mormons would would show up. <laughs> 
they they had gotten a letter that that someone was in need of help. (laughs) (laughs) They needed help. (laughs) You know, like a long detailed message of you know that they're having a problem with this or that, and that they really would like to talk to somebody about (laughs) seeing the light or whatever. (laughs) But we'd we'd come in, you know, on Friday and we'd hear these stories of what happened during the week between these two. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Nick, ribbing. Who who have you heard through stories that I don't believe that happened? I actually did one. uh, God, back in my my CVW days. This is actually like maybe... Oh, this is like 2018, maybe, or something. 20, yeah, maybe 2018 on there. Uh, MJF just won the uh, CCW world title. Actually, beat a Ricky Shane Page for it on a show in Voorhees. Um, and he was actually not that far getting dressed from where I was at in the back. And, you know, he you know, did, what, did one of the mortal sins and left his title on the uh, top of his bag. So I literally just fixed to get, you know, get undressed. You know, I only live about maybe about half hour from the venue and stuff like that. And I, well, I, you know, I walked over, I took the title from, you know, from his bag, <laughs> literally just sitting right on top of it. And like people know, you know, people, you know, seen that, that title. I'm like, I think that title actually cost about $7,500 uh, to make at that time wow. um, uh, with it. Uh, it's not the one they got now. It's the one before that actually is the, uh, the winged one. Um, Adam and Jim seen it before, so they know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, but he left the title on his bag. I fixed to start getting undressed, you know, stuff like that. Put my street clothes back on. I took the title, put it actually put it right on top of my bag. You know, it's you know, I was going, I was going to the pay window, so to speak. You know, afterwards to get paid for after the show. I literally had walked around the title with the with on my shoulder the whole time. Max was literally going ballistic in the locker room looking for the title that he just won. And like, and he's now, you know, I think, you know, Max at the time was maybe 22. Oh, wow. You know, I, I forget, you know, he's just, he was just almost fresh out of, uh, he was only maybe like two years out of wrestling school from a, a creator pro wrestling up in North Jersey, um, you know, where he, where he worked at. Um, so he's absolutely spaz. And I literally walked up to him about maybe, maybe about a half hour afterwards. So the titles, so the titles right on my shoulder. I'm like, Max, you lose something. And he's like, oh, you motherfucker. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he, he, he started laughing. Don't get me wrong. You know, it was just, you know, a little, little teasing. I'm like, you know, I just told, I told him, I was like, yeah, watch where you put this. You know, <laughs> should have awesome. put it like under somebody, somebody else's bag. And I should have just went home with part it. Of, part of it hanging out. You know, <laughs> so they could yell at whoever you put it under. I'm hey, like, what are you stealing my bag? My belt <laughs> you know, there's. I think there was also one other time I worked. Uh, this is early day Adam Cole stuff when he was just training. Uh, so he's like, he's maybe like three, four years in. We, I was only maybe I was a year behind him, if not almost the same time on there. He had somebody in a rear chin lock on there, you know, basic rest hold on there. I would purposely let one go in the ring, you know, purposely just pass gas oh, right then and there, just because. Just because I know probably either the hard cam or one of the floor cams was on us just to get his facial recognition on there and see what he would be. I'm like, he's like, oh, he's like, 
He's like, dude, like, did someone shit themselves in the ring? I'm like, nah, I just farted. You know, that's all. Well, you, know, so, you know, you know, it's you know, see stuff like that you can get away with. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, at least when, as long as you're wor working with the same guy you work with over and over, I'm like, you know, the three, you know, the three of us, we all worked basically with the same people almost month in and month out. So you can, you can screw with people like that in the ring, you know, most, mostly I would do stuff like that on smaller <laughs> shows where it's, you know, we're not, you know, being like broadcasted live or something like that. But as long as I get the facial on, on, on our camera, we're good to go. It's worth it. Right, yeah, it's a exactly. Easter, it's a Easter egg right there. If you, end up oh, without that, yeah, just go, just go look at some bad uh, CCW search from like 2009, 2010. You know, mm -hmm. with me, with me and Cole, just look for a random real chin lock. I'm like, it's probably going to happen. Who, who had to forfeit the title because of pink eye? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's. I went. Let's... I, I went over instead. <laughs> <laughs> let's go over to Adam. Adam, uh, there's got to be some stuff. I mean. Uh... You would, you know, honestly, I no, I feel bad because I really don't have too many great rib stories, especially compared to what Jim shared. Um, but yeah, like I feel like ribbing isn't around as much as it used to be, or I just am not aware of it as much, um, or especially not to the level of of what Nova and Al Snow did to each other, which is incredible. Um, I did do a little rib to Keener, which is I think Nick and. Uh, Jim would appreciate, which I feel terrible about because anytime I do anything like that to Keener, I feel bad because he's the man. Um, but yeah, he just he was trying to reach out to Brett at, for GCW, and it was nothing personal. Brett's just terrible at getting back to people, just like any promoter is. And um, so Keener was worried he had heat, and he kept asking me, "Is like, hey, do I have heat? You know, can you check in for me?" And so there was no heat whatsoever. Um, but I let Keener know that there was heat and oh, <laughs> a little bit. I said, "Oh, he's mad. yeah, he's not up. He, you know, Keener thought there was a reason, and I I elaborated on that for a little bit. Uh, you know, so that was fun. So he's still probably he's going to get me back for that one. I probably should have reminded him about it. Nick's Nick's probably texting him right now. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, he's probably sleeping. Nah, yeah, he'll wake up in the morning, and I'll, I'm he'll get. <laughs> but Keener's great. That was fun. That was like that was that was a good one. Yeah, we. We could probably afford to bring some more ribbon back. Uh, there's always like you know, all busted here or there, but more elaborate stuff could be done. Be a lot more fun. But that, that's mine among ref on ref crime there. So yeah, on, I love it. That's a shirt right there. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of shirts, crime. Let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and let's uh, do some plugs here for Stolen. from some shirts. Jim, where can people get? Their parody comedy referee shirts. Well, I sent it to you, so you'd have to do it. Oh, okay. I can read it. Kind of I can do No, it's, it's at uh, T Public, is where I have my shirts. Just go in tpublic.com and just hit the search button and put in extreme referee, and one of the shirts, or if not all of them, will come up and, and check them out. They're kind of funny and goofy. Once again, that's referee uh, parody shirts available at tpublic.com under extreme referee. Yeah, I, I said I was going to read that. Yeah, <laughs> good point. I, I have. I can more. never remember that stuff. Um, I'm never going to. Uh, I also have plugs that we're going to read uh, at the end of the show as well. Um, I'm just trying to think about what are some classic ribs that we've heard of. We've heard of people putting padlocks on uh, people's bags. Anybody? Anybody heard of the padlock situations? Yeah, you, you put the padlock on their bag and then you glue the lock shut. <laughs> oh my god. 
<laughs> you glue it as well? Yeah, yeah. Glue, the, glue, the, glue the lock, the, key, the, the, the keyhole of the lock. Oh, uh, I, always heard, I always heard that uh, Mr. Fuji was a big, huge river to the point that I don't know how he would get this done, but um, your car would be stripped down to nothing. Like no tires, no engine. By no the end engine. of the night, no. The, by the end of the night at a show. Oh my god! I, uh, that's wow. That's intense. Um, I'm trying to think about what are some other things that I've heard of in the past. Um, let's see here. Rick Martell says that he used to rib Terry. Funk. Now, does anybody know if the Funkster was a uh, a guy who would participate in that, or would you say he probably was was not the ribbing type of guy? I would guess that he probably was at a, at a younger age. I don't. He wasn't much of a ribber in ECW that I know of. Um, but I would assume that at a younger age, when he was a little <laughs> freer, not, not that he wasn't free enough in ECW with the crazy <laughs> stuff he did. Uh, wow. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would think that Terry would be willing to participate in a, in a little ribbing. Um, we also heard about driving stories that uh, I guess it was Luger and Sting was in one car, and the Road Warriors were in another car, and they were trying to continue to moon each other <laughs> as they were going up and down the road. <laughs> then they would stop off at uh, a couple of different like quickie marts and get eggs. And as they were driving, they would try to pelt each other's car with raw eggs. I heard that one. Um, here is a, here is a story about, and I hope I get this one right. Um, let's see. This is Terry Funk, and I guess this was Rick Martell. We're going in the Florida territory. We're going to Melbourne uh, over where the Turnpike is in Oscala. Then you continue to a two-lane road, and there's swamps that go through the coast of Melbourne. Roger Kirby and I were tag partners. were riding together, and Terry Funk and Rick Martell were with him. So, I mean, there were two cars on a two-lane road, and it was happening in the middle of the day. All of a sudden, I look in the mirror, and I see someone coming up behind us, and they're flying. As the car goes shroom past us, Kirby says for them to slow down. Well, that was just simply crazy. Terry Funk all of a sudden saw the car and decided to swerve into the middle of the road. They were on a highway, so the stripe line you had to uh, you had to go around people. Evidently, Funk decided that he was going to take some things inside the car and just randomly chucking them out. He also told his partner in the car to <coughs> completely buck naked, so he did. J.J. <laughs> uh, Dillon was in another car that just happened to be on that same highway. Saw the guys half naked throwing stuff at each other outside the car. Wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Uh, Rick Martell then says that Martell also mentioned that they were running alongside of Funk's car where Funk was taking uh, his clothes off. It was there him or the person in the car with him. And they tried to grab and rip each other's mirrors off. Um, they were going around each other's cars trying to rip their mirrors off. How do you, where do you come up with these types of concepts? A lot of time on the road. Yeah. You didn't right. have cell phones then, so what else are you going to do? And, oh, right. my God. You know, got to keep yourself entertained. So, I imagine a lot of that stuff would happen these days still if we if we didn't have cell phones. God. Oh, God, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, here's here's one that, that a cell phone helped with, and I don't know if it was actually a rib or not. I, I 
for years I blamed Shane Douglas and I finally met up with him and told him the story. And he, he swears it wasn't him that, that did this. Um, cause he said, wow, what a great rib. I wish I had thought of it. Um, we're driving from, uh, I think it was from Buffalo to Pittsburgh, maybe Erie PA to Pittsburgh. And Shane was ahead of me, uh, in another car and called and said, Hey, look, be careful at mile marker 85. There's a dead deer in the middle of the road. I'm like, all right, great. Thanks. So I'm driving along in mile marker 84 and keeping an eye out. Here comes mile marker 85 and it's at the top of a hill. And I get to the top of the hill and there's a dead deer in the, in the middle lane. It's a three lane highway, the middle of the lane. But now, now picture this, think of George Costanza oh, uh, in, in the posed picture, you know, yes. the, the painting, yeah. this, this looked like somebody set this deer in a posed position, like staring right at you, you know, right, it, it, like right in your headlights. And staring right at you, like it was, like it was posed to have its picture taken. <laughs> and God. it was, you know, it wasn't laying dead on the road, like you know, over on its side, it was like sitting up. Look at me, you know. And Shane said it wasn't him that that did it, but he he said, just called to say there was a deer in the middle of the road. But somebody had to take the time to get out of the car, position this deer so it was staring at you as you came over the top of the hill. <laughs> Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Um, and there are so many other stories. I, I would love to get Nova uh, or Al Snow to uh, maybe come on here and uh, and to talk about some of those because that's hilarious. Ribs, <laughs> ribs are so funny. Now I have heard that in the uh, Attitude Era, sometimes ribs went a little too far as well. Um, the whole pooping. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard some stuff like that before. I think that that takes the fun out of it. Am I wrong on that, or am I just uh, a stick in the mud? No pun intended. Oh, that's a bit much. I'd be not happy if someone took a shit in my bag. I'd probably be mad. But I don't think those were done as ribs. Those were to teach somebody a lesson. Yeah, that, that wasn't a rib. Okay, well, that's that's a great next segue here. How many of you guys have ever heard of somebody wanting to teach a young person a lesson if they were a little too cocky or whatnot? Did either one of you guys or any of you guys have heard of that? Like, little such and such, little too big for their britches. Maybe we need to give them a reality check. I saw uh, I saw Nick go get a little, little high sign here. So, Nick, when did everybody ever had to tell someone to simmer down a little? Oh, God, Jesus. How many how many times have I experienced something like this before? Jesus. Exact actually a lot of couple canceled people I'm not gonna mention <laughs> come come to mind really to be honest with you, with with uh some stuff like that. But that there there was just like, you know, is even matches that I actually had that uh you know, some people actually just some of the kids were just getting just getting too stiff, you know, in the ring. And then, you know, the veterans got just kinda you know, you know, one big, you know, kind of almost like a like a Gunther chop to the chest or to the back. Basically, will set them straight. You know, in that in that sense, yeah, I'm like, I feel like it yeah. happens more often than it happens a lot. It's just yeah, now, you know, nowadays, yeah. I mean, because it, it it happens in matches a lot, and I don't think it's like an issue. It's just the veterans will tend to get a little more physical when need to, because to Nick's point, either. Either the you know younger wrestler 
isn't as ready as they may have thought or or just needs to slow down or um, it's like a quick there. Or there's a little bit of that like respect factor, like you took that at one on, on that move. Well, I'll give you a back chop real quick here and, and let's get back to it. And then there's no issue from it. It's just like a little bit of that respect. There Here's go. the deer. <laughs> oh, um, let me, so you said sometimes people will do a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a receipt when it comes to that. Does it typically? Let me ask you this, Adam. Does it typically end after that? I mean, to, to some of the younger guys, finally get the big picture. Yeah, these or, days. It, I mean, yeah, maybe Jim, Jim, and Nick might be able to speak a little bit different. But I think, yeah, it, it oh yeah, it's never really carries on. You know, I think. It's kind of understood, and then, yeah, you know, because if anyone is going to be that upset about it, it may not weigh out well for them in the long run. So I think it's usually just a matter of you deal with it and you move on and it's understood, and, and that's how it goes. So, But that's what I'm saying. I think it happens a lot more than people probably realize, but then it's, it's not an issue, so it's, it's not It's interesting because when we talk about, you know, all these different things that happen in the ring, one thing that crossed my mind that I wanted to know from you guys is, has anybody ever had a wardrobe malfunction? And I don't mean the wrestlers. I mean one of you. Something not quite go right. Did a shirt not show up? Did you not have one? Or did you split the old britches? That's the next segment. Let's go ahead. And I saw a smile coming on the face of one Jim Molyneux. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, never forgot a shirt. Never never went without my, my stuff. Um, but I did rip my pants. And if you go to the Peacock Network <laughs> and go to Barely Legal... And the match between Rob Van Dam and Lance Storm, you can see me with a split pair of pants. So it's right down the middle there, Jim? Or? Right, right in the, the old crotchy area. Oh, there so, you go. so it wasn't in the backside? No, it, it, well, it, it was the seam in the taint. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you just say taint? Oh, taint. So it was RBD versus who? Landstorm. Landstorm. And it was it was the, the lesson that I learned out of this was to there were two lessons really. Um dicky pants are the best pants for refing. And um don't wear tidy whities. Was this for the uh the TV title? Um no, I don't think it was. It was it was barely legal. It was the first pay-per-view. Okay, hold on a second. Um, I think... and I think it was Maybe the second, second match, I think. But it was like the second or third time Rob had been in with us. And Lance was new to us, too. You got to love that for the first pay-per-view. First yeah. Match, first pay-per-view. yeah. That's first why you guys were on at 9 o'clock, wasn't it? Hey, guys, I want you, I'm doing my first pay-per-view. Please watch it, all my friends and family. Whoops. <laughs> what, so, Jim, what, what exactly happened? How did said pants break? Um, I bought... I, what a pair of pants at like Kmart. They were like, you know, I thought, well, we're, you know, fancy dress pants. Turns out it was a bad idea to wear fancy dress pants. And um, they were, you know, kind of sheer, I guess. 
<laughs> and I went down for a count and they, they split right in the seat from from the the crotch to the backside. So I kind of like you know, walk trying try to find my camera here. Instead of walking normally, I kind of walked with my legs kind of together <laughs> for the rest of the match. <laughs> wow. Well, the I, I got in the back and Tammy said, hey, you split your pants. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Genius. Um, was that was so that was the only time you had uh unfortunately yeah, thank God. Did anybody tell you? I mean, any fans or anything? Do you feel like someone no, noticed or no, nobody noticed it as far as I know. You do you still have the pants? No, they were you, you they, could have autographed I, those and take those to the next Comic Con. I, I think I threw them out the Walt Whitman Bridge yeah. as I was going over at home. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Uh Adam. Yeah. Um I have always malfunction. I've always had the fear of, of splitting my pants and it didn't happen. So I always I always overpack. I always have like at least three pairs, which is usually not actually needed, but and I'm just always worried that, you know, that's the time. You definitely want to have at least two, but I always overpack. Um for the longest time and then yeah, I always always wear black underwear, black you know, um, Under Armour, whatever's underneath, because for that reason, and I, I, it finally happened maybe like a year, year and a half ago. Um, but it wasn't noticeable at all. It wasn't a huge rip. It was just, uh, I was, it was a death match and I was bending down to get rid of some, some tubes out of the ring. And, um, they split at the seam, just like, uh, like, um, Jim was mentioning, but it was not a lot. And I had again, prepared, so you wouldn't have noticed because uh, I had black, you know, underneath. And then I always pack extra. Um, never forgotten my stuff. I have forgotten my knee pads a couple times. Left them in the dryer when I thought that I repacked them. That's usually when I have like two, a couple of shows in a row and, and went home. But I never forgot a shirt or, or I've had nightmares where I have. I've had nightmares where I have a big opportunity and I'm not even dressed yet. And they're, I, I don't know if anyone else has had that dream, but <laughs> that is happening. So you always make sure of it. Or I pulled over um, on my way to a show and convinced I just forgot to put my stuff in the car, pull over, and, oh, it's right there. I don't know why I thought that, but you want to make sure. So, <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. Um, let's go ahead and let's uh, – Nick, um, did I already pose this question to you? No, but it's basically the same thing. We're all gonna we're go, we're all gonna give you the same answer creatively, though. <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm like you know, doing you know, I, I'm kind of similar to what Adam you know Adam does since he does you know death matches as much as I do uh, lately. You know, I'll pack like two pairs of pants and stuff like that. But uh, there is, I can count on one hand of how many times I forgot my knee pads, and they equal the same amount of times that I appeared on Botsmania. Uh, for it because there was sometimes every time I forgot my knee pads, I always botched a finish or a spot in a match. Always that's, pisses that's me weird. off, but you know, mine was back in my younger days and stuff like that. But still, I can still pinpoint it when it was. Wow, for a while, I didn't wear knee pads, which was silly, but that was just you know, the early days. Uh, Oh, I Jim, Jim and Nick taught me a lot about, you know, Jim trained me, and then Nick and Jim both taught me a lot about what to pack and be prepared for. And I was just watching one of my older matches before we hopped on here, Jim from OTW, like probably eight years ago. And, and 
Come a long way. <laughs> you have. I, I was gonna, I was gonna save my my praise for you at the end of the for the end of the show, but you have come a long way, and you, you're you're doing great. Appreciate it. I wasn't yeah, appreciate it. Nick will keep me humble, so it's okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I tried. When it comes to, I guess these light tube matches and whatnot. I mean, you almost have to plan on some shit going down. I mean. Either something getting ripped or something going haywire, right? Or, or is that misconception? No. Yeah, Nick, you go ahead. Go first. No, yeah, I'm glad you're good, bud. No, you I just, just you could say you just dealt with one over the weekend, so yeah, dealt with a couple. Actually, two of the crazier ones of more intense ones I've ever had. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, fortunately, when you're working with the one, the experienced, and I know it sounds silly, probably to people that are like. There are deathmatch wrestlers that are, you know, they know what they're doing in terms of how to swing a light tube or go through glass or things of that nature where it's obviously still going to bleed, still going to be crazy, still going to be da- incredibly dangerous, but they know how to do it in a way that it's it's not going to allow to to something to be too crazy. On the, on the surface, it, it is absolutely insane. I mean, <laughs> if I was bleeding from the back of my head or, or call cut up, I, I wouldn't be okay, but these guys and girls are built different um and they make sure to you know the biggest thing with the the, the tubes um is is once they're broken getting them out of the ring because you know essentially once they break then they become something that can stab someone and and that, that can be done when it's punctured um rather than just being broken over um or going through it and breaking so get what you really have to have your head on a swivel with with the tubes um and Nick and I would probably both say how frustrating they can be for that reason. Um, <laughs> it, it really does heighten the danger. And then, obviously, you throw fire or some of the other glass in there. It can be um, – or barbed wire. Barbed wire is a pain. Um, you get some people's hair stuck to them. It's frustrating. Um, but, yeah, you, you really – you know, you have to be prepared. And we have – fortunately, we have a really great team of referees right now um, in GCW, and we kind of have – they, we all try to stay on the floor and help each other out. Um, we have med kits ready to go if, if things do go wrong, but knock on wood, we had a, you know, a deathmatch tournament this, this past Saturday and then a few more deathmatches on Sunday, and everybody was okay. <laughs> um, as safe and sound as you can be in terms of, again, uh, they're all built pretty different. But there's there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of variables to it. Um, so you got to be prepared and uh, – have your head on a swivel, no doubt about it. No, I agree with that completely. Wow. Yeah, so just like, you know, I'm kind of squirrely like that, as we know. My, my ADD gets fired up every once in a while, and I can't stay on course here now. So uh, I know Nick is, has spoken about it, and Adam, I'll ask you. Uh, so when you're getting ready for the death match, like especially a tournament, how does that all get planned out? Like, how? What does the referee do? He's just like, oh fuck, here we well, go. I'm gonna hope for the best, and and not in a lot of ways. And- yes, I, again, I, I I'd be interested to hear what Nick has to say too, because Nick's been in, you know, he's been a lot of like cage of deaths with like those really big spots. A lot of times they're so in the moment they don't really want to talk to you, and I understand that. 
So, and some are more, you know, will communicate more than you need to. Um, but they're obviously about to do some, some crazy stuff. So, like, as a, a referee that knows how understands your wrestler, you, you don't want to be asking them a lot or, or needing to know a lot. So, you know, but I'll say, you know, what do you need me to know in terms of big spots? And um, sometimes they don't tell you as much as you'd like, but you just, you, you got to be ready for that. And then others will let you know you know, absolutely everything. But um, I, I do notice that with sometimes they're like, we'll be fine. And then when you build a rapport or you, they've had you as your referee for death matches multiple times and they know, they know how you are and you know how they are. They're not, they may not need feel the need to tell you as much because it'll be good. But in terms of the setup and building of these con- crazy contraptions and stuff like that, we have, a great team with, with Big Vin and and the crew that helps, and they communicate all that. And we just kind of need what we know, what we need to know. And then it's a matter of being in position. It's a matter of checking on them, you know, when they go through or do some crazier stuff. Um, again, if some preferences are different, they'll tell you a lot. If they feel they need to tell you a lot, they may not tell you a whole lot. And I'm okay with that in some ways because, Again, it's if it's someone I've worked with enough, I understand. All right, I know what we're going into here. Um, or even I just ask the question, "Hey, do you need me?" To, no, we'll be good. I trust you. I'm like, all right, sounds good. And then we go from there. But curious to what what Nick has to think about that again because he's been in. See, I saw I've seen because it's been kind of death season with some tournaments coming up. I've seen a lot of old uh, Cage of Death clips on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm like, man, and I see I've seen some where you're in there, so. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's almost like the old cage of death. I'm like, I'll bring, I'll bring up two. Adam was at one of them. I know that. Actually, I think you're at both of these on there. It was uh, uh, the more recent one, I think, was uh, cage of death 20 at the uh, 2300 arena. Yeah. It was uh, Mance Winter and uh, Ricky Champage on there. And that was absolutely yeah. barbaric with just the uh, – amount of glass that we had involved and where Ricky, uh, Ricky uh, stapled Mance's uh, tongue to the uh, barbed wire board and got that visual because Mance actually started to stand up, but the barbed wire board was still in his tongue on there. So you got that, you got that visual of him almost standing up, but barbed wire board was coming up with him too. On top of that, you know, that, that was actually a little easier to work with because Panes of glass are easier to work with than actual light tubes because you're not really worried about getting stabbed because, you know, you got the ends of the light tubes you got to worry about. You got, you know, you got to step on, you know, the bigger shards and stuff like that. That's kind of why I wear like almost like steel toes, you know, in there just so I can step on them and break down the glass and stuff like that. But one of the more violent ones was actually, it was the, uh, it was a three-way dance. One of, one of the uh, older places in Voorhees, it was a, Ricky Shane Page, he had, was uh, defending the CCW title against uh, uh, Joe Gacy and uh, Shane Strickland or Swerve, whatever you want to refer to him as nowadays on there. And, of course, you know what they do with the uh, – they did the uh, – it was a triple threat with the three of them. They did the, uh, a tube exchange. You know, me and Adam have been through countless tube exchanges, you know, on there. Literally all it was was a triangle of just tubes going back and forth. I'm literally cowering in the corner because I – yeah, nowhere to go. <laughs> it's the ref's got nowhere to go. I'm like, I'm. I feel just glass is getting pounded off my head and stuff like that. And as you can see, I really don't have that much hair as it is. So I'm like worried about. It. I'm like, oh, I'm like getting 
busted it open. I don't realize it yet and stuff like that. You know, and then just the amount of glass I had in my shirt when I got back to the, through the curtain. I'm like, oh, that's where all that glass came from. Wow. Yeah, it's always, always, always a pleasurable exchange and stuff like that. I know I was watching clips of uh, Adam do uh, with uh, Gage and uh, June Kasai over the weekend, you know, stuff like that. That was, I saw their tube exchange and stuff like that. That's, it's insane on there. Tube exchange were one of my, one of my like worst things to deal with because I've had it before where I did a two ring uh, war games match and the, the amount of glass that was pounding off of my head just from, and it was also a couple of the ends of the tubes were coming off my head because there was eight people doing a tube exchange. Yeah. You know, enough yeah, war games <laughs> matches are really hard. I, I said yeah. it, um, said it before those, the last two that we've done have been the most difficult I've had to wrap. We got it's just so much stuff going on. And then, like we said, you got to get the ends and the broken um, tubes out of the ring. And when you only have the space in between the two um, rings, you don't have all four sides because of the cages. So you're really limited. And then you have <laughs> you know, eight, eight to ten people, depending on what the how the match is. And you're trying to stay out of the way the best you can with all that craziness going on. So. Those are those. The last two uh, of the war games we've done have been the uh, the most difficult matches I've ref for sure. But we get through them, and yeah, you know, that's what you gotta do. <laughs> now I know Jim. I know you've been in some very interesting moments. But I was just—I uh, didn't find the pants splitting yet, but I will find that. <laughs> but I did find something that I think was interesting, and I'd like to know how uh okay you were with this because when i take a look at this uh this was not done in a way that i would think that you would have agreed with but then again maybe i can get your opinion on this and you can tell me if you think this was something uh that went well does everybody see the screen here yeah very good all right so this is this is set this up this is mikey versus sandman um i don't think this is for the title uh but there's jim and then unfortunately um well, Jim gets pulled into it pretty quickly. Let's take a look. And shows imagination cover to a no! The Sandman gets his shoulder up. Do you have any memories of this? Absolutely not. Drops the Oh, it was for the title. Okay. My Sandman winning it from Mikey. James. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh no. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh no. No, I don't think I was ready for that. Because it's Jim Mikey Whitworth. Oh. Jesus Christ. Would you owe him money? Where's John? Come down and help me for Christ's sake. Catering. There was no catering. Yeah, that's our good friend Mikey Whipwreck. And the Foreman Mills. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't know why that happened. I, I mean, I, 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 
don't really remember it, but Jim, I feel bad for you. So let me just let's clarify here. I'm gonna turn Joey off. So this was never talked about. I don't think so. Probably what, with, with Hack. No. What were you thinking when the when when it happened when he kicked you? Were you like, yeah, just go with it? Yeah, I, I could tell. I was like, all right, he wants me out of the ring, so I, I rolled out to the ring, but. I don't think I expected the the ladder to come flying down on top of me. Oh my god! Did he did he say anything when uh, when Probably you guys got not. back to the back? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I love it. That's about right. That's an, that's oh, incredible. And and I'm going to show clips as well. I want to show clips of you guys from some classic moments as well but i've never seen a referee maybe maybe i'm naive to this but but just get brutalized like that before have you guys seen other examples of just referees just getting the holy hog shit beat out of them yeah sadly yes Um, but also there's times where it might be not that excessive with the latter but um you just got to go with it jeff jarrett whipped it whipped me at hammerstein at our pay-per-view um, that wasn't planned, but you just go with it and sold. And, um, that was a pretty fun story, but, uh, aside from the whole whipping part, but it looked like he whipped me in the face, which got over on the pay-per-view real well. And everyone was reaching out to see if I was okay, but he got me in the back. He was safe. It's Jeff Jarrett. He's a pro obviously. Uh, but yeah, things happen. And like Jim did, you just gotta, you just gotta go with it, sell it, make sure you sell it and hope for the best. Was that yeah. the night the Briscoes won the titles? That was they lost the titles in the they lost the titles, yeah, to to Gage and um and Tremont, um, but I was I wasn't Keener was refing that match. It was Effie and Jeff Jarrett, and I actually Jarrett was getting some really good heat at the time, and he was out um out on the floor, and I just was making sure that fans weren't getting too overzealous with some other other of our security and folks that were helping out. And I may have also been peeking under the ring to see how many doors we had at the time for for, for the night. And I thought it was a good opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. And then all of a sudden he saw me and he decided, hey, you're not the referee for this match, so let me get some heat by beating you up. <laughs> so that was Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. This has been uh, quite the episode. We uh, we've talked about ribs. We've talked about who you would and would not want to go out to eat with. Um, Jim split his pants. Uh, people put locks on people's bags, and then they super glue the keyhole. Uh, it'd be excessive. Jim got the shit beat out of him uh, with a ladder, and uh, we've learned that plain panes of glass are not as bad as light tubes. Confirmed. Now, We've learned a lot. We're getting a a pretty good education here. Let me go to the plugs here. Let me go back to Jim's. Remember, if you want to get your parody referee shirts, they can be over at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. It's going to be under Extreme Referee. Now, Jim's next appearance is going to be January 20th at ISPW, and that's going to be in, is it pronounced Bargnet? Bargnet. But now you got me saying it wrong. <laughs> Barnegat. 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 Township, New Jersey. Jersey. If you're wanting to go and get tickets and more information, go on over to ISPWWrestling.com for more information. Um, 
he is also taking bookings for 2024. You can hit him up at Jim Molyneux on uh, Twitter, or you can also find him at Jim Molyneux on Facebook as well. Anything you would like to add to any of those things, Jim? The, the WrestleMania is going to be in Philly, and I'm you know, 10 minutes over the bridge. Um, you're looking for a referee for your pop-up show. If you're an indie with planning on a pop-up show for WrestleMania, I'm not that far away. When it comes to bookings like that, with like shows like that, how much of a notice do you need before? Um, it, it really depends on whether I'm, I'm already booked for something or not. Adam, Adam knows this situation. I don't know if I told this story or not. Uh, Adam was at MLW one night and uh, they needed referees. So um, my phone rang as I was heading out the door for an ECWA show and said, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Um, I'm, I'm hidden, you know, I'm already booked and I'm on my way out the door. And, um, I was with John Finnegan and John Finnegan's phone rang and it was Mike Keener calling from MLW <laughs> looking for a referee. Yeah. Keener and I did back to back of like 14 matches or something that night or 15. I don't know. It was, it was all, all good. All good. It all worked out. <laughs> well, MLW is coming to Philly. So if they need anybody, <laughs> you yep. Well, let's go ahead and let's do some plugs here also for Nick Papa G. Also for January um, 13th, H2O presents The Cage of Hell. It's going to be live on IWTV at 8 p.m. And you can catch up also on H2O Happenings. That's going to be on demand. So once again, H2O Happenings on demand at IWTV. Uh, it's a damn good series. I'm telling you what, anything that uh, you would like to tell fans about the series? Oh, yeah, what, the Uncharted series? Correct. If they, if they actually, you know, it came to an end on December 18th uh, already. So we, and that was uh, season five, actually. Uh, you know, if you want to re relive some of the moments on there, you can watch Cruel get arrested uh, at the end, at the end of the show on there. That was uh, always a trip to watch on there. Uh, or if you just want to relive a lot of, you know, watch, watch a uh, 35 minute uh, Austin Luca, Joey Janela match, you know, from uh, episode, I think six. On there, you can watch all. You can watch that all on uh, on demand at uh, IWTV.tv or any. Uh, just don't use the app. The app's terrible. They even know that. <laughs> so go to the website. The app yeah. is not. Watch good. it on the watch it on your browser. That's your best bet. Let's go over to uh, Adam. Adam uh, plugs. Sure. Where can people find you? Dates that are coming up. Where can uh, promoters get a hold of you as well? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my, I got to credit Nick for using his name here as his uh, uh, Twitter handle or X handle. So that's my, my X handle and also my Instagram. Um, so people can reach me that way or my email uh, ref at gmail.com. Um, we just had it. We alluded to it. We just had a huge weekend this past weekend in Atlantic city for game changer wrestling. Um, we had the Nick gauge invitational eight on uh, Saturday and on Sunday was GCW aftermath, which had, um, Legendary deathmatch, dream match, 20 years in the making, uh, Nick Gage versus June Kasai. Um, those are both available on demand anytime. If you have Triller Plus, formerly Fight Plus, now it's Triller Plus. I believe it's $7.99 a, um, a year, which is crazy. I'm sorry, uh, a month, for, you know, uh, which is just a little over $50 a year. Um, and it's a tremendous value for, for that. And then uh, we will be in Chicago uh, January 12th um, with no compadre. Um, 
some some big matches there. Um, and then we'll be in Columbus, Ohio on January 13th for 56 Birds. If you're not in those Midwest areas, um, you can watch anytime on Triller Plus and then, uh, and then Tampa at the end of the month as well. So we're looking forward to that, and I'll reshare all that if you follow me on social media and appreciate the support. I'm in Cincinnati, so I might have to come up and check a look at that show. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Let me know. Yeah. He's going to make you comp him tickets, Gary. No, I'm not. Why would you say something? Like that? <laughs> no chance. He's that sounds like something somebody from a foreign country would say. My no, God. No way he's paying. By the way, by the, okay. Let, and let, he wears a size 2X t shirt. He's going to Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's a 3X right now. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, Butzer, did we ever find out from your wife what the, what's the name of the. It's a Dulcimer. A Dulcimer? Dulcimer. Perfect. I was close with the zither. Yeah. <laughs> guys, it has been so much fun. Thank you so much. We will catch all of these guys uh, next week on another episode of Front Row Referee. Thank you so much for your time, gentlemen. Well, I appreciate it, always. Take care. All right. Later. All right. We are officially back. We're going to be... Uh, Finishing this card from the AEW show. So we got through a good chunk of it. Um, so right now, overall, you said you were giving the card about a B minus right now. Is that correct? Yeah, it'd be about a B minus. I, I think that'd be accurate. So we just got done talking about before we had our uh, referee segment, what we really thought about the Eddie Kingston match with John Moxley. And it was really good. Now, Moxley has eaten some clean pins recently. And he's also not bled. And I think a lot of people are kind of wondering what the hell's going on with that. I think it just proves how much of a team player John Moxley is. And would you agree that we've seen a lot of growth in him since he's been in AEW? Yeah, he's, he's taken on a leadership role. I'm personally, I'm glad he gave up the bleeding. Yeah, it, it just got to be too much. Of it it, it was did. every single match. It, did. it it brought nothing to the match anymore. Well, you just brought up made a perfect point. He didn't bleed. He didn't bleed. And the fact that you brought that up shows how much it was bleeding in all his matches. Yeah, because that's the exact opposite of what you should be saying. It's generally if somebody bleeds out. Well, he bled in the match. Right. With Mox, it's a bitter surprise when he doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Right. So no, I I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the match. Uh, Mox definitely grown. He's becoming a leader. I just wish he'd give up the flipping off the stuff, and not just him. A lot of the guys like enough with the middle fingers, boys. I know. Trust me, I let's, agree. Let's stop that. But at, he he's definitely he he's come a long way. He is, or let me rephrase this. In my opinion, he should be one of your locker room leaders. Yes. You no, know, he's been there, done that. Not just because he was in WWE. Don't forget, he was in, he was in um, CZW doing all deathmatch stuff back in the day. Indeed. You know, I mean, he's a he's come from. I won't say the bottom. That's harsh, but you know, he's. He's come from the Indies, worked his way all the way up to New York. 
you know, he's he's still relevant now. He left on his own terms, as the story goes. It's not like he got fired. They didn't renew his contract. He chose not to. That's the right. story anyhow. So he left on his own terms. They wanted him. He's still relevant. He's not an idiot. He understands that he has to put the younger talent over. Yes. He knows that. That's He should know that. Right, and, and all the big names need to understand that, and they, and a lot of them seem to to acknowledge it, and they're doing a great job with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that we're starting to see things change in AEW, and I think you know well, you heard the comment that Tony Khan had made about you know God forbid that he has to step aside from running the company, he would want to put Brian Danielson in charge of the company, which I think is a pretty big thing, a pretty big statement to make. But then again, I think it shows how much he respects the mind of Brian Danielson. And I also think he also trusts Moxley a lot. I think he trusts Jericho a lot to make sure the company um, still goes. The media scrum after the pay-per-view, one of the journalists and i'm going to use that phrase very lightly moving forward made a comment about if tony khan would ever step aside from being in charge of booking and have other people do the booking um and and tony kind of gave one of his tony khan facial expressions as we've all seen before and he said it's it's kind of a booking not necessarily by committee but there's a lot of people who are in the room when booking happens and they all have a level of input onto that. Obviously, he's he has the final say so, but there is to some degree other people, you know, like the Brian Danielsons are in there as well. And he had mentioned some of the the coaches also are in there as well. So do you think anybody would say something to Tony? I mean, do you think he creates an environment that if somebody says, Man, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, I think we should go in a different direction, Tony would be receptive to that, or do you think he would take that as kind of like, no, this is my baby? I think he did his notice in my baby. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I I just see it as it's almost his toy. It's it's his it's his thing. And he thinks he's the end all be all and I'm sure he's open to suggestions and tweaking things or whatnot, but I think if if somebody else from creative just totally shot down one of Tony's ideas. Right. I don't think he liked that. I think he'd probably get a bee in his bonnet over that and go ahead and do it anyhow. I think at the end of the day, it's still going to be his show. It's just the others in creative got to try to rein him in a bit. I think that's the best you're going to get. It's okay. That might not be a great idea, but let's try to make it a less bad idea. Do you think that as time goes on, he's going to be coming more open, or do you think as time goes on, he will be more closed off to to change? More closed off. It's him. I I just think that's just the way he's he's wired. He, yeah. Much as you might not like this, Mike, he's not a lot different than Vince when it comes to that. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. That's a really great point you make because – you know, for the longest time, Tony was very anti-Vince, and he was anti-Vince because of the things that Vince would do. And I find it just to be interesting that he is kind of doing the same things in AEW that Vince would do. And in, in, let me be specific on this, being 100% in, in control of creative, not wanting to give it up to somebody else. 
you know, the only way that creative was given up was after the company was bought out by someone else. And yes, he would put somebody else in charge if he wasn't able to be in charge, but I don't think he would ever fully hand over the reins. And I think that's the example instead of hiring a booker or having somebody within the company lead creative and he sit in, in the meetings, he is having other people sit into his sessions and yeah, but I, it's hard to say that you, we wouldn't do that ourselves, but I mean, when you put all that time and that money and that energy into building a company, don't you think to some extent you, you, there's a, a piece of it that's yours, if that makes sense? Absolutely. A piece of it's yours. You, but you would think you would also want great success for the company, his product, his baby, his yeah. brainstorm, his, I don't know. That That's my take on it. I could be completely off, but Tony's so invested in it, which is great. He needs to be, he's, he's almost too invested in it. Right. Between the, you know, the, he is creative essentially. And the social media stuff. I mean, uh, fuck. Somebody take away his Twitter, please. And take off that goddamn stupid hat and sunglasses at the press conference. Well, I think he was trying to. He's a really big fan of the current character. And I, and I get what you're saying. But when he was talking about some other aspects, there did need to be some more level of, of seriousness. And, and I agree with you 100% on that. I think the hat and sunglasses, it was interesting because it looked like somebody from the company uh, kind of came out and said, hey, let's take this stuff off because we're talking about, you know, some pretty serious things. Um, yes. But let's let's kind of move on to the main event. Um, MJF ended up taking on Samoa Joe. And I think a lot of people kind of saw this title change happening. The reason why is because, first of all, various outlets had come out and said, and even Max himself had said in interviews, that he was beat up. I mean, beat up big time, and that he had been working with a really bad labrum, a torn labrum at that. Uh, the shoulder was really bad, you know, and he needed time to appropriately heal. Now, it's also come out recently that Max has not decided whether he's going to have surgery or he's just going to try to rehab with rest and uh and therapy here but samoa joe ends up becoming the new aew world champion in a clean finish by the way um we were talking about you know the devil and how the storyline was going to play out but then joe ended up winning cleanly do you think in hindsight now that was a mistake having joe win cleanly because there was all this hype about the devil and and who can you trust and all these things that were happening on the screen do you think it just didn't quite fit together? Uh, no, I, I don't have an issue with it. If MJF wasn't going to be taking some time off, then it might not have made sense. But yeah. MJF's going to be off for a bit. Yeah. So if he's going to be gone, you really can't keep going with that angle as much. Does that make sense to where no, you to where it, you would invest it into the devil got involved in the match? Well, cheat to win, however you want to look at it. 
I guess when you think about it and you think about how the devil had really interfered with a lot of things that Max was involved in, right? His matches, the people who he had matches with, his opponents, what happened to the acclaimed, what, you know, what happened to himself and everybody. You literally would have said to yourself, well, I kind of think that this is Max is going to get screwed over. And so therefore you thought that the, the devil would screw Max, then reveal himself to be, Adam Cole, which a lot of people thought it was going to be, but that didn't happen. It was Max lost cleanly. So I don't really know how Max got screwed over by the devil. When you look at it in big picture, like what necessarily happened? Yeah. Max got laid out one time, but then that was basically it. So it, it was a little confusing because, and I heard several people talk about this this past weekend. They said, well, you know, Max, Max is going to find out who the devil is on the pay-per-view, but then if Max really is beat up and injured, what are you going to do moving forward with that storyline? How it, It's typically someone who gets screwed out of a championship or whatnot wants to get retaliation. So starting the next week, now you take that story to the next level. Max on, what do you do to kind of keep that heat going when Max could be gone two months, three months? We, we don't have no clue whatsoever. So how do we keep this... Adam Cole, the kingdom and Wardlow hot when the guy who would be seeking revenge on them is, is not there. Let's be honest. Poor Wardlow's involved. So they're probably going to screw it up anyway. I mean, I, I don't know if they're trying to take a page out of WWE with saying, Hey, look, you know, we saw the, um, we saw a couple of different things happen in WWE this year that, that were successful. So you had Roman Reigns and the Usos dominating as a faction. And now you see Judgment Day dominating as a faction. Do you think in any way, shape, or form that whatever they call this group can dominate for AEW like those other two groups did for WWE? They could. A lot of talent there. There is a lot, a lot of damn talent. good wrestlers. Right? I mean, you have everything you're looking for in a faction. Right, you got your big man, you got your talker, your all around guy, you have, and your tag team, right? So, it's, you know, it's a great start. It but is does W or AEW need more factions? I, well, I mean, that's another big question. I mean, do they need more of that or more individualized, you know, people? But I guess the other big thing that that has me questioning things, but is Adam Cole's not even healthy right now. So Adam Cole obviously is not going to be able to to lead this group and be this dominant guy who's going to run rough shot because he's still on crutches. Now Max is gone, so basically it's the kingdom and Wardlow unless they're going to continue to bring Adam Cole to TV. But Meltzer was actually saying he made a really really good point. He said, you know, from everything that he's been told, Cole is quite a while away from being cleared to actually end up wrestling. He's still in a boot. So I don't know. I just wonder if the timing is, is basically going to end up sabotaging this storyline. But what else could they really do at, at, at that point? Max has been the time on, off. Right. You know, they, they've invested. Cole happens to get injured on a freak thing, but. No, it's his ankle or his leg he broke. It's his. I think it's his ankle. His ankle. So 
you know, but they had to to keep it going, I guess, because how could you just stop that angle altogether? Right. I I don't know. But it wouldn't be shocking to either one of us. Uh, I, I'm feel comfortable to say this, not speaking for you, but that they'll just meh, the story's over, and then in, in three months' time or two months' time, when Max comes back, try to revive it. They just, you know, hey, I'm back, da da da, and he gets jumped by him, right? Completely out of the blue, no rhyme or reason to it, really, because the story's dead. But would would you really be surprised if that happened? No, I wouldn't be surprised because we've seen this happen before. Um, I.e., the Swerve Keith Lee situation, which went away, and now it was supposed to come back, and now it isn't, but. I think that they're going to have to really be making some big decisions soon because you, you can't be a rudderless wrestling company. You have to have a definitive, definitive world champion, which I feel like they're confident with Samoa Joe. But I also feel like in the same breath, you have to have other stories going on. And that's what AEW has really lacked is really good in-depth stories. We talked about Christian Cage uh, and Adam Copeland. That's a good story. That's just one other story. There has to be more. And I don't mean a ton of talking heads like WWE does, but there needs to be more. And they need to focus on telling more stories. And like I said, it's a problem. It's it's definitely a problem because we, you know, Tony Khan mentioned in the media scrum that he would like to portray AEW more as a competitive sport-based this guy versus this guy, this gal versus that gal, right? instead of being more of an entertainment aspect of it. But let's be honest, you still need a story to set up a match. It can't just be we're going to throw two people together. Would you, you'd agree with that, right? I agree with it 100%. You look at it in boxing. Look at it in, in MMA. You know, there's a little bit of trash talking and whatnot, cause, and now you have a story. No, it's not a professional wrestling story, but you have a story. You have something to it, some lead-up to it. Versus if you just throw two random fighters of whatever sport into a ring with no real nothing to it, yeah, it can be entertaining, but it's a lot easier to get invested in it if you have a story. Right. That that makes sense, right? You know what I'm saying? No, it makes complete you understand sense. what I'm saying? Completely, 100% on that. So there, there's got to be story. Wrestling is a soap opera. It's a male soap opera, correct? It's, it's it's no different than Days of Our Lives or General Hospital or any of the other ones. I don't know. That's what it is. It is a soap opera. You need a certain amount of talking, a certain amount of show, story, whatever it be. You can't just be steady firing people into a ring. Yeah, some of these matches are going to be great. A lot of them will be. But it, you just get more invested when... Okay, why is you know, Pentagon and Mox wrestling each other? Right. Why? Is it just because they're both very good wrestlers? Could be. Makes sense. 100%. But if you have it to where, you know, Mox jumped Phoenix, you know, Mox in the, the, um, the club there, Blackpool Combat Club, jumped Phoenix in the back, and now Penta's pissed off at Mox because they jumped Phoenix. 
now you're a little more invested in it. Now it's, you're right. There's more. That to me works. As long as it doesn't go overboard to where it's just a pure, you know, soap opera. Like, where it's just like, talking and talking and talking. Exactly. You know, like a two-hour show, you got a hour and 10 minutes of talking or an hour of talking and what's, what's that, like 35 minutes left after commercials and whatnot of wrestling. That is not my cup of tea. Some no. people are okay with that. I prefer the matches. Um, mentioning some other news here. So even though Charlotte Flair is going to be out for at least nine months after she recently got injured, she did resign a brand new contract with WWE. Now it was a big agenda uh, where his big focus of his agenda was signing talent and making sure he locks them up for a long period of time, meaning triple H and Nick Khan. Now it's been reported and I have no idea how actual factual this is, but it looks like, um, Charlotte Flair has a five-year deal worth about twenty million, give or take, fifteen to twenty million. Um, Good for her. That is one of, if not the biggest contract, not only for women wrestlers, but probably right now in the industry. Do you feel, in your opinion, that someone like Charlotte Flair? I mean, we've we've seen a lot of Charlotte Flair. Do you almost feel like, okay, I get it, but unless they do something different with her and turn her baby face or something, it's just going to be wash, repeat, wash, rinse and repeat all over again until she's the 79th, you know, time champion. What, what, what are your thoughts on that and the money they gave her? It's probably going to be rinse and repeat. Uh, they paid her because they don't want her to go. Right. They don't want her to an AEW. Happens in all sports. You know, uh, uh, player in the NFL gets overpaid by their team just because they don't want them to go somewhere else and kick their ass twice a, twice a year. Right. It happens. And I think that's what it is. Charlotte's, what is she now? Early, mid-30s? I want to say she's 37. I'm going to double-check that here. So 37, four years' time. You know, take off some injury time and whatnot. So she's going to be 41, 42-ish, somewhere in that area. You know, that's... A lot of miles there. You know, she's been through it. Yeah. Right? And she used to wrestle a hell of a lot. Not so much now. Correct. But she's earned it. Whether you're a fan of her or not, she has earned a little little extra... um, Treatment, special treatment. Because, oh, she has. Don't give me that look, Mike. She definitely has. She helped that organization, that women's division, a ton. No, I'm not saying that she hasn't done a lot. I, I don't know if I would say, I mean, okay, look at Bailey. I mean, look at, um, Bailey's been there longer and arguably she's busted her ass and been injured a, a bajillion times. Uh, Becky Lynch has done the same thing. I mean, there, there's a lot of women in that division, not just her. But yeah, she has she has contributed significantly. I will give, I will so, give her credit. So no, I think they probably it's a bit of a legacy contract. I think it's her dad is. You no, know, Andrade's probably coming back. Most likely, it keeps her there realistically for the rest of her career. Mm-hmm. Definitely the rest of her full time career. Oh my God! Yes, I mean she's not going to be wrestling full time when she's forty-two. 
Absolutely not. This just doesn't happen. Right? No. She's had she's had a decent amount of injuries herself as well. Well, she's she's a she's not a spring chicken, and she definitely has a lot of of injuries on her. You're right, and there's been a lot uh, that's happened with her. Um, it's funny you bring up Rick, is because Rick had mentioned that. Um, one reason why he chose not to continue to pursue working with WWE was because after the merger, it has become a very, very corporate, very uh, political environment, uh, unlike what it was before. And he said it's just not it's not the environment that he thinks is conducive for people. So that obviously it's his opinion. But mm-hmm. um, you very rarely hear Ric Flair saying something negative about WWE. You You just don't. But he said that. And so I think that's interesting to hear what Rick's opinion on the, the current state, the landscape of what WWE is right now. Now, is he saying that is a little bit of sour grapes or a little bit of, you know, put AEW over very um, WWE bit? Do you think he literally means it? I think I, knowing Ric Flair, I think he probably generally means it. I mean, before, I mean, listen to the promo that he gave. You know, um, when he was first in the ring, you know, talking about all the women are 18 and older can come to my hotel. And we've all heard him say that shtick from the beginning of time. But, you know, Tony Khan basically kind of said, hey, we're going to be cutting that segment out because you can't be talking like that anymore. And then you heard what Rick said on Twitter, which was basically, hey, man, I'm not here to embarrass your company. You know, if you don't want me to be here, I won't be here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But no, I don't think he necessarily needs to. He's saying that because he's sour grapes or anti WWE. I think he legitimately feels that this merger has changed and and it's going to change. Things are going to change when there's a corporate merger. Um, AOL Time Warner changed everything for WCW when they decided that they were no longer going to carry wrestling on TBS and TNT. 20 some odd years ago so think about it from that perspective so fair enough but um the big story is right now is that trinity is finishing up with impact wrestling and she will be heading back to wwe many people believe that she will be back within wwe um within the next couple of weeks Uh, the other big story is that mercedes monet who many people uh, when she was at all in in London, when she was shown in the audience, believed that she was going to sign with AEW. Well, then that changed, and it was more of her going back to WWE. For those of you who follow her Twitter and Instagram account, you saw that she had posted some pictures of her outside of arenas um, that WWE was going to be at, which led to speculation that the conversations of a new contract were coming about. Well, again, depending on what you want to believe, they had a sit-down conversation she was, again, looking for the kind of money that Charlotte was going to be getting because Charlotte just signed a contract, and people talk, right? And they were not willing to give her Charlotte money. Now, it's also been reported, allegedly, that Tony Khan would be willing to give her a five-year deal, which is the same five-year deal that Charlotte was given, but it would be for $25 million instead of 15 to 20 for WWE. Um if that's the case, do you pass that money up and say, hey, I'll take a little less than Charlotte to get back into WWE? Or do you say, holy crap, man, I really can't pass this kind of money up. I mean, this is this is ridiculous money. Make your money. 
Get that cash. Put it in your bank account. Save it for a rainy day. That's my take on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna scoop up the money Tony's offering me. If that's yeah. true, you'd be foolish to turn away, wouldn't you? I, I agree. I mean, well, okay. Think about this for example. I believe it was on sessions with Renee when John Moxley said that he was leaving WWE. Remember, they did that whole shields the last time in madison square garden and they came out with a shield documentary and mm-hmm. vince was really trying to get him to, to stay with wwe and he said man they're gonna back the brinks truck up to my house to give me all this money and i think one of john's famous quotes was you're going to make me leave all this tape this money on the table john didn't do it john left um but i think different people are motivated at different points in their career and I think John probably was already a very wealthy person. And I think he wanted something different. But it's very hard, you'd have to admit, very hard to pass up a ton of money that someone's willing to give you for a five-year deal when you say, what well, doesn't align with my morals and ethics? W- what do you choose to do? Go with the money for five more years, do more, uh, as you would say, fooey? Or do you say, nope, you keep your money. I'm going to do what I need to do. And and my morals and values are more important than cash. I'm going for the money. No, I, I want my future to be comfortable. You know, because they can't do this forever. They're going to have health care bills when they retire and they get older. You know, I'd want to live comfortably. So I'll go for the cash. Well, and again, I guess it depends on who you are and, and all that kind of stuff because, man, you got to strike when the iron's hot. You're not going to be in your prime forever. And, and like you said before, a lot of these people are going to need surgeries and their health care expenses are going to be much higher than the average person. I mean, we've seen what's happened to most of these wrestlers. Look at Kurt Angle. He's broken down. Kevin Nash is broken down. Hulk Hogan's broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, Mick Foley can barely walk. I mean, there's a lot of people who were on top and took big paydays, but then they also paid for it on the back end. So um, what else was I going to mention? I mentioned Mariah May is going to be debuting in AEW. I'm very excited about that. Again, if you're not super familiar with Mariah May, go ahead and YouTube her. Um, Hammerstone, um, Alex Hammerstone is a MLW talent and he's officially finished up with the company from what I understand. Uh, and he is a free agent. Interestingly enough, Hammerstone was actually part of a faction with MJF um, back in MLW. Are you super familiar with Alex Hammerstone? Super familiar? No. A little bit familiar? Yes. Uh, so Hammerstone had been really kind of the centerpiece of MLW with Court Bauer for the last several years in his legendary matches with, um, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking here. He's had several uh, legendary feuds, but he had some great ones. And he's basically decided that he's looking for somewhere else. Um, Hammerstone said in a quote regarding free agency, I'm not looking for an opportunity He said, I'm looking for more. Um, I'm looking to give one, not take one. So I think that's interesting what he chose to say about that. Uh, Hammerstone would be a great addition to any company. He really would. So it'll be interesting to see where he he ends up at. 
let me ask you this. Um, do you think outside of AEW, most fans in that are AEW fans are familiar with other promotions? Or do you think their knowledge of other promotions is probably the same as what WWE fans are? I would I would imagine AEW fans are a little a little more knowledgeable of other federations because you got to think a lot of the guys that are in AEW came from smaller federations when they were put together from the indies and whatnot. Well, yes, more indie guys, correct. So I would imagine they're a little more knowledgeable of that. So it'll be interesting to see where he shows up as well. Um, Okada is also going to be potentially a free agent. He was talking about wanting to leave uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi became the new president of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I was talking to a few different people about the scenario here. And everyone universally respects Hiroshi Tanahashi. Not only as a human being, but as a representative for the company. And they believe that he's definitely going to make relationships with the front office and the talent much, much better. Now, the, the guy who had just recently been replaced was not even a wrestling guy. Uh, he didn't even come within the wrestling industry. And we're finding out when you bring people that are not in wrestling into wrestling, um, that's kind of a problem. I mean, it's they, they have no concept of how the business works. It's totally different than really any other form of entertainment. So... Having Tanahashi in there uh, is is leaning more of Okada staying in uh, New Japan, which is kind of a bummer because I think a lot of people wanted to see him come to AEW. Nothing saying he can't. They have a good working relationship. I mean, I'm not sure he's going to come in full time or nothing, but I could see like a couple matches here, a couple matches there, type of thing. I think it would be great. I already have made gone on record by saying this. I think they've sold nearly 40,000 tickets already for all in Wembley. Okay. Now they have it set up for, I want to say 55 or 60,000. And there's plenty of time because Tony Khan wants to do a stage this time. He really wants to amp up the pageantry. Personally, I still think they could get to 70, in my opinion. Like, if ticket sales continue to go well, um, and I think I even said it wouldn't surprise me if they tied what they did last time. Now, do you think that's too ambitious or that's too highly of a uh, being too optimistic in a way? No, I think they could do it. Um, the reason I say that is because I argued that they couldn't sell out the number of tickets sold last time, and I was very wrong. So. I'm going to get all on, get him on board, and yep, they can do it. They can match it. So they have the most tickets sold for any professional wrestling event in the history of wrestling, and um, which is impressive. Very impressive. We'll see what happens at Wembley, but I think I think they're really going to do things differently this time, and if, if they're saying Mercedes – is most likely going to pop into pop up with AEW. They they really firmly believe that. They also think that Diana Peraza, whose contract is up with Impact Wrestling, would come over to AEW as well. Tony Khan made it very well known in the media scrum after World's End that he is very open in the free agent market to go ahead and add more people. Um, think about what the women's division would be with Mercedes, Diana Peraza, Jamie Hader. Brooke, um, 
Britt Baker. I still think Soraya needs to get more of an opportunity. Uh, then you have Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho. I really think that they could really turn this women's division into something special with a couple of additions. Do you think that if Mercedes comes over, she's a game changer like CM Punk or not so much? Good question. Um, no, she won't be a game changer like CM Punk was. No. She will draw fanfare, but I don't think it'll be close to the level of what CM Punk was. There were some people who were also talking about how if Mercedes does come in, they should give her the the first dance uh, type of treatment like they did with CM Punk in Chicago. Would you also agree with that? Basically tease that she's coming in, get a record sellout, and just have this thing ready for her and roll out the red carpet for her big intro? Or do you think... She just surprise shows up. What do you think? No, give her give her the treatment. Why not? Yeah, I agree with that. It's funny how you, you bring up that she might be coming to AEW. What was our bet? That she would come to AEW within I think it was six months of when we talked about it. Okay. I was just curious. How many months has it been, Mike? Since we started talking about this, I could not tell you. I want to say we probably started talking about this. I want to say maybe October. Oh, okay. When sure. would you say we started talking about? Well this? before that. But well before okay. October. Yes. Well, uh, okay. we find the episode. Let's find the episode. Well, I first said six months, and then I said before the end of 2023. So at the end of the day, look, I, I'm wrong, okay? I'm wrong about that. So, so um, okay. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to pony up. Whether it was six months or the end of 2023, I'd really like to find that statistic out. What episode did we talk about that? I'll have to look back through. Um. Let's talk about just briefly here before we wrap things up, the Chris Jericho situation. I'm not sure how familiar you are with this and the Nick Hausman thing. Did you follow this on Twitter? I've seen something about it. Um, I've just seen that the same thing got reported a couple times on Twitter. I've seen. Yeah. Um, with Kylie Ray. Yep. Yeah. From what I got from it. Um. Jericho made her feel uncomfortable, wanted her to go to his room, mm -hmm. and that was why she quit. Uh, that's the very cut-down version of it, but that's Correct. the gist of it from what I got. I think this is just me personally. I have a problem with the way the situation was handled because – and I'm not – look, Nick Hausman chooses to report however Nick Hausman chooses to report. That That's his own deal. But if you caught the clip, and if you haven't seen the clip, I highly recommend going back and seeing it. And I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not saying verbatim. So he said, you know, I, I feel like the image of Chris Jericho is definitely going to be changed a lot. You know, a lot of people see him in a very positive light. And then he went on to make a comment about, well, a lot of people saw – Harvey Weinstein in a really positive light and he did great oh. things and won a lot of Oscars. But now we found out that things are different with him too. So my big situation was you're starting to throw out 
even if you're not quote unquote comparing two people, why would you even throw that name out to begin with? That's a big name to throw out if you're doing it in a comparison. It's it's not, not comparable, comparable. Yeah, like I was really and, and the thing that bothered me was wow. this. You know, I guess the story was or how the story went, Jericho was was gonna have people into his locker room. Again, this is all conjecture. We don't know what the hell's real. Was was gonna have people in his locker room and then no one showed up and it was just her. And allegedly, which we don't even know if this happened, but he made a pass at her. And that eventually led to her leaving the company. And what general consensus was, is why would you leave the hottest company right now in pro wrestling unless there was something that led you to leave? Meaning, was she? did she feel uncomfortable or what? Again, we weren't there. We have no idea. But I also think that you have to hold a certain level of responsibility when you have that much power on social media. Would you agree? I mean, you, you really got to part and parcel your words because I don't know if you noticed it, but everybody to start going after Jericho on social media because of what was at least implied had happened. And it was like, holy crap, like all of a sudden people got the pitchforks out and the torches and they were ready to go after him. And I thought to myself, at what point at what point do we just wait and we just calm down before we start to jump to conclusions? Um, and then Kylie Ray evidently heart emojied uh Hausman's comments, I guess on Twitter, and everyone thought, well, there it is. She heart emojied it. She must give it a seal of approval. And so I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, the whole thing I, I don't know what the whole story is. I hope it's something blown out of proportion. But I mean, if Jericho did it, he's a piece of shit. If that's not good, you can't do that to people. I'm sorry. If you're, you just he's a married man with kids, and and if if that's really how it shook out, that ain't cool. But we don't even know if that's even the case. That's what I said. Right. If that's the case, right, right. I mean, yes, we, we definitely need to, to wait and hear it out 100%. But unfortunately, we live in a society these days to where, uh, what was it, um, cancel culture? Absolutely. Everything is, oh, I heard, or the rumor is, well, if that's the case, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard when it's rumor. You know, like uh, Ray... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Ray hasn't come out and said anything, has she? That this, that this to my knowledge, so far, she has not said anything. So it's it's basically just a Nick Houseman, or how you say his last name, going based upon what he says he's been told, in that there is, there's a lot there. He's been told that by Kylie Ray or by by, by people. Yeah, see that, that that this is not, and that's where it, I have a hard time with it. There, like somebody told me that somebody right. seen that somebody heard, and that that's where it's a little bit harder for me on, on on everything, not just this specific situation. And when he throws out the the Harvey Weinstein thing, if 
for him to say, I'm not comparing or whatever, yeah, you are. You 100% are. You're trying to plant that bug in people's ear. Correct. Why would you bring up a name that is, I mean, and again, who knows what's true and what's not. I'm going to play this clip here really fast. Let's go ahead, and I'll let you decide for yourself. I don't pass judgment on anybody unless there's actual factual facts, but it does bother me when something like this is said. So let's take a listen. Chris Jericho found himself in the midst of a social media storm just before World's End, as Nick Hausman leveled serious allegations against him, hinting at undisclosed issues from his past. Obviously, the Jericho part of it, for a lot of reasons, stood out to me. You know, uh, one of the things that, you know, is so disconcerting to me about kind of the, the universal praise of Jericho, and I'm not going to deny the points that Max made about, you know, the impact Chris had in the early days of AEW, but when you have that kind of clout and you have that kind of power, it's very important to use that responsibly. And I just, you know, there are issues with Chris behind the scenes where I know of a lot of people who have been hurt by Chris and his actions. And, you know, it, it, it's very uncomfortable to me to see him lauded as often as he is with only the focus on that, because I do think that there's a lot of questionable um, stories about Chris that will find their way out over time. And when people are ready to tell those stories, um, that will, will cast him in a very different light. I mean, look, Harvey Weinstein won a lot of Oscars. Harvey Weinstein produced a lot of very popular films. Harvey Weinstein is now in jail. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Chris, but your narrative can very quickly turn uh, if you know, you're hiding a lot of skeletons in your closet. It was claimed that Chris Jericho had made advances towards Kylie Ray in a hotel room, leading to her departure from all elite wrestling. The aftermath saw a surge of fans expressing their opinions on social media, particularly rallying in support of Kylie Ray. An old clip resurfaced, featuring Chris Jericho dismissing hush money allegations against Vince McMahon, adding to the negative spotlight. And now all of a sudden, um, it's it's alleged that you know he paid someone off a good few million to keep quiet after an affair. Is there surprise within the wrestling industry that that happened? Not really. I mean, is there a surprise in any industry when it happens? And, and, and really, you know, when you look at it, it's really not illegal. He had an affair, paid the lady off to not say anything and mm. moved on. So it's almost like, okay, and yeah. um, people want to jump on it, but there's still always a undertone of it's wrestling. Oh, it's mm. just wrestling. And if you look, that story came out with a bang and then you really haven't heard anything about it since. Yeah. If this was, you know, Hollywood with Harvey Weinstein and that sort of thing. But the difference between that was he was holding women back from getting gigs harvey weinstein either bang me or you don't get the starring role this has never been said in vince's thing there was a mutual acknowledgement of this affair and then he paid the lady to say nothing and she took the money so mm -hmm. you know I, I i really know vince well and it sucks that it happened it sucks that he did it but is anything really going to happen from it I really don't think so. He, he's putting a, a public fr a front on. He's, yeah. he's certainly not acting like someone who's got anything to be ashamed of. He never the, does. He, well, he never does. The does. fact that he walked out on SmackDown straight away and announced SmackDown as if to say, I'm what? That's Vince McMahon. Yeah. Fuck and then he, he then he was at the UFC on the weekend. Like, what are you going to do about it? Up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think that it'll come and go. Um, and once again, is it morally right? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Is it illegal? No. Is it something that is going to get him in real trouble? I don't think so because, once again, unfortunately, oh, it's just Vince McMahon. It's just wrestling. Of course he's going to do that. So, you know, those, those things come and go and they happen and it's too bad, but I really think it doesn't really matter in the long run. And, you know, six months from now, I'll either be right or I'll be wrong. With the situation escalating, 
there is a growing need for Tony Khan to address the matter before it spirals out of control. Any update on the status of Kylie Ray? She's been a bit absent. Uh, she's no longer with us. Uh, we had so many things going into, so many announcements going into Battle Royal, but uh, she asked for a release and we granted it. So uh, it was, it was, she, she called me and asked if uh, she could be released from her contract. And I mean, it was pretty simple. I said, yeah. And I asked her if everything was okay. And she said, yeah. She, you know, she's didn't want to be with the company anymore and we talked about it and it was very simple and so yeah she's she's uh, not on our roster seem amicable super amicable I, I, she's very nice. chris jericho participates in an eight-man tag team match at the world's end show tonight the live audience's reaction in long island will be interesting to say the least so anyway i'm stopping there um so jericho obviously made the comments before uh, i guess a dated comment on a podcast he had been on i just don't see jericho being that type of person Sorry, I just don't see that. And at the end of the day, if you're going to come out with allegations or you're going to elude to or hint at or anything, you better be willing to answer the critics who say what's going on. You need to prove this. And I think the part that bothered me the most was a lot of the the internet wrestling fans, which is just a small portion, were so willing to jump all over Jericho for this. They were willing to jump and just crucify the man and say Tony Gunn needs to reprimand him or he needs to take him off the card tonight. And really, it's interesting because the court of public opinion really means more than the legal court because you could be found, you know, not guilty in the legal court, but whatever the perception of the society says, then they see you as guilty as hell. Um, OJ Simpson's a perfect example. Found not guilty. You would normally think, oh, well, guess what? He's found not guilty. He was tried and we all move on. But I think the majority of the country knew, oh man, this is too fishy. This doesn't seem right. But with, with Chris, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I don't know, this is either going to lead to something or it's not. And I don't know if it's necessarily the role of the dirt sheet writers to to do this kind of reporting either. It's not just dirt sheet writers. It's it's the, the Hollywood writers do it too. The, you know, the people on Fox, people on CNN, people on... Oh, they all stir the pot. Whatever, the fucking National Enquirer. Sure. Like, all that bullying because it gets clicks it does it gets looks i mean and they get more money yep and at the end of the day that's what it's about and you know i get that everybody wants to make a buck but it's hard when you're reporting something like this if if it came out to where kylie ray told nick this okay now there's some there's some teeth to it right this is what happened to me this is why i left but i have a hard time when it's oh well somebody told me that that you know my sources say well, name your sources. I, I, I don't know. It just, it seems like it's too far removed and I don't, I just don't dig it. Well, it, it's, it's going to be interesting what happens, but you know, much like anything, you should always wait to pass judgment until something happens. And, and again, you made a really valid point. Why is Kylie Ray not saying anything? I mean, she did a heart emoji, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's an indictment. No one has come out and literally said on social media. Chris Jericho has done X, Y, and Z. Chris Jericho has done this, this, and this. I feel like it's, maybe it's because people feel that because he is so well-liked that if they say something against him, he has so many acquaintances and relationships and wrestling that they could hurt their opportunities. So do they just keep it to themselves and keep on with their career? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but you got to be really careful with making accusations like that. If it comes out that, this is just nonsense and food. Right. Nick looked like a, a, a terrible person. Oh, sure. Or like, a, like, come on, man. Like, you're throwing shit out like that. And if nothing really comes, it's just, well, that's what somebody told me. Right. Well, that's great, man. But you can't report on that's what somebody told you. 
Mm-hmm. If you don't have anything to back it up outside of somebody told me, right? No, the do you have an actual source? Like I can tell you anything. I can announce something right now. Complete bullshit. So, is, are you going to report it? Are you going to go to Twitter and you're going to report it? No, because it's just not. Oh, somebody told me that this is going to happen. Right? Who? Oh, somebody. My source. It, it just doesn't fly with me. I don't. I don't like that whole aspect of it or the um. Uh, um anonymous source that bullshit well the like, source has got to be named i'm sorry for me to take it serious we not, have to have and a name that is not just with the chris jericho right not at all i don't care what it is well sports teams uh butster sports oh. teams allegedly someone in the locker room says the coach has lost the team well wait a minute you are literally going to call yourself anonymous like you don't have the 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 notion if you were going to say mm-hmm. a coach has lost the locker room and the coach has, has no concept there shouldn't be coaching this team you don't want to put your name to it so you're ballsy enough to make a statement but you're not ballsy enough to own it does that make sense yep and that to me just gives you a little less credibility no i agree but it'll be well, interesting to see what comes of us yeah it'll be real real interesting Butster, we've talked about so many different things, the ons, the inner workings of free agency. Uh, We had a great segment tonight with the referees. That was a ton of fun. Anything else, finally, you want to throw on this before we put a bow tie and and wrap this episode up? No, I'm not really just happy to be back. It's been been off for a bit, and, you know, the holidays and and life taking over and whatnot. It's just just good to be back, seeing your mug on a Tuesday evening. That's about it. Life's good. I, I will throw this out at you. If you have a chance, and I don't know what your podcast repertoire looks like, and this goes for everyone listening, uh, Storytime with Dutch Mantel. If you have not heard that podcast um, or you've not seen the YouTube, it's, it's also a video podcast and an audio. Uh, Dutch Mantel is one of the best storytellers, and he's no bullshit. You can tell he's not lying. He's not making stuff up. But he is genuinely a great, great historian and storyteller of things in wrestling. And his co-host, James, from the UK, is impeccable as a host. I mean, he does a great job. So Storytime with Dutch Mantel, highly recommend it. Uh, It's on YouTube. You can watch it or you can download the audio and listen to it. Uh, But definitely check it out. That's my recommendation. That's my my new podcast that I binge listen to all the time. I'll check it out for sure. All right, for Christopher Butt, I am Mike Freeland. For all of our referees, we will catch you on the next episode of Front Row Material and Front Row Referee.